Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And a good day to you. How are you today? Another mild one in Canada's Queen City. One last day of a cold winter. So, we're happy about that. The show's brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Providing HVAC and irrigation supplies across Western Canada, along with plumbing supplies since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, and we got it loaded up again. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. And you can always weigh in on the show, topics of the day, 936-6262. We had a wild card weekend, and who was the most impressive for you? Was it... Uh, was it the 49ers, the Giants, and Daniel Jones? Um, how about the Jags coming back from 27 nothing down? Or maybe you want to wait and see how the Cowboys-Bucks game ends up tonight. It is Martin Luther King Day in the United States, so lots going on in terms of sports. Um, I know the uh, Canadians, uh, or check that. Uh, today, the uh, Panthers beat the Sabres 4-1. The Bruins whip the Flyers 6-0. Red Wings uh, over the Avalanche right now 2-0. Kraken and Lightning still to come. Sharks and Devils, Golden Knights entertain the Stars. It's the Rangers at the Blue Jackets. Ducks against the Penguins. Flames in Nashville. And the Islanders are home to the Capitals. Sens and Blues also tangling. And in the NBA, Zinger, I think uh, we got uh, some Raptors action too early on here. Raptors are up against uh, the New York Knicks right now, 48-46. So uh, check that out if you're laying around wanting to bore yourself to death All right, let's, some Raptors. Let's get some... Uh, your Bucks still losing to Indiana? Yeah, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> okay. So let's get to uh, the NFL playoffs. Uh, now I'll talk more about this closer to 4 o'clock, a little more in depth. Uh, Niners-Seahawks game. I think the Niners are the best team in the playoffs right now. They're the most balanced. It's just that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. That's why the Chiefs should be the team to beat. But uh, the question is, Zinger, can Purdy do it when he has to? Nope. nope. You don't think so? No, hey? there's going to come a time where this uh, formula, you know, the hmm. Niners formula is going to be you know, back up against the wall type thing. Purdy's going to have to make multiple big time plays, hmm, just like any quarterback needs to do in the playoffs. Yeah, and when that happens, he's going to crumble. Uh, quick comment: I'll talk more about this in depth. Chargers are always going to charger. Chargering is a real thing. People, my phone was blowing up. People texting me twenty-seven nothing. I'm like, hold the phone. I've watched this team since 1981, and it played out just like I thought that it would. They blew it. Now, two key plays in that game: Chargers will run a jet sweep, third and one, late in the first half, up twenty-seven to nothing with a backup receiver, Michael Bandy, a practice roster guy, and they fumble it and kick it around and then have to punt. Jags go in and score and uh, all of a sudden they got a football game there in um, in Jacksonville. Then uh, 
Herbert missed a touchdown pass to Keenan Allen uh, when they could have really put the uh, screws to him, threw it high, so he's not flawless either. Um, and the other thing is, is this guy Brandon Staley gambles, fourth and two, fourth and three. He gambled in Cleveland at his own 40-some yard line late in the game, fourth and three in a regular season game, and the only reason they didn't lose that game is because Cleveland's kicker missed a field goal at the buzzer. But in a playoff game, when Jacksonville has four interceptions, he has it inside the five twice and kicks field goals on fourth down. Man, and they're thinking of keeping him. That's crazy. Uh, Bills, Dolphins? Zinger, Man. Bills play exciting football, but sloppy football. Sloppy. I mean, Skylar Thompson almost pulled those boys to a dub, bossy. Almost, almost. <laughs> How about the Giants-Vikings? Brian Dayball is the coach of the year. I'll talk Kirk Cousins a little later on, but let's not forget how bad the Miami defense is. Hmm. What a what a bad defense. Uh, Ravens-Bengals, Run the damn ball. I've never liked when the quarterback leaps over the top of the goal line. He, with the chip on the football, they say he was 0.6 yards from, from getting that, like just a whisker away from getting to the goal line, but it gets batted out and Sam Hubbard, the Cincinnati native, huffing and puffing down the field. Did you see? He said he, he looked at the big screen and told the guys behind him, hey, block Andrews, he's coming. He could see it. Yeah. That was good. Uh, the Ravens just really blew that, didn't they? I mean, yeah. they put that in the end zone there. They're up by a touchdown with whatever 10 minutes yeah. left. Come on. Huntley played hard, though. He looked yeah. pretty good for a backup. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't show up, didn't go to the game, wow. and then had the kind of an Instagram post today basically saying they don't appreciate me. Yeah, he's going to be the new quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Panthers, that's my prediction. With, with, uh, with what's-his-name coaching him, Sean Payton, maybe yeah. because the yeah. Panthers have received permission from the Saints to talk to uh, Sean Payton. Uh, Cowboys versus Brady tonight. I'm sorry, but I can't pick against Tom. I've thought about it. I've gone back and forth. Brady's going to win tonight. Yeah, yeah, Brady's going to win. Brady's going to win tonight. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where it's it's a lose-lose for a lot of people because nobody wants to see the Cowboys win in the playoffs and nobody wants to see the Bucks win. Yeah. But we're going to see one of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um. I want to talk a little bit of an, of announcing. Mm-hmm. I don't like to cut down anybody in my business, okay? Because once you shoot something at somebody, it can be shot back at you. And believe me, there I have a lot of people that don't like me either. Don't like my style and everything like that. I get it. I want to say this. Greg Olson will be the color commentator for the Super Bowl on Fox. I watched that Vikings-Giants game. He's a great color commentator. Like, he is number two in the league behind Troy Aikman. I think Aikman's the best, and then it's Greg Olson. He is really good. And then number three, I put Chris Collinsworth, and I put... I now put Tony Romo a distant fourth. His his, uh, Nostradamus predictions, the first year were kind of a novelty, but... He's kind of hokey. He's too hokey for me. Yeah. No, I see that. I'm not a big fan. Sloppy, maybe, is another word. He's a little bit sloppy, right? Sloppy. It seems like like, he's not a good fit with... Him and Nance are too insy, if Mm -hmm. you ask me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and I'm sorry. This guy is an absolute legend. I would only hope to be as big as him and never will be as big as him. But I hope if... Now, it's not all... Some people don't like my excitement. They say I'm a little over the top, okay? But when you are calling the best game of the weekend in terms of excitement, the Chargers and the Jags, could did, was Al Michaels sleeping in the game? Dude had no pulse. He is boring as you know what, and it's time for somebody to tell Al Michaels, you're done. I hate to say it, but it, 
Do you not agree? That was the worst broadcast crew of the weekend. Him and Tony Dungy. Dungy is a great man and a good panelist, not a color commentator. That's been always like... Let me, let me put this like that's always been Al Michaels style though like very yeah, but nonchalant a, but, it, uh, but let me uh, yeah uh, he he has taken it down a notch and I think Amazon has done this to him Amazon has sucked the life out of Al Michaels because Amazon games suck and you know he's well, been doing true. Amazon game all year and then he's thrown it to the fire for a big playoff game he he's Dude, not he's se- not in the rhythm anymore you're 78 it's a you're a, a broadcast legend like you could be on the Mount Rushmore broadcasting don't stay too long like there were a couple of times i don't know if he knew what was going on and actually oh, in some cases and i'm like the fans are in full throat that team never makes it to the playoffs you are in Jacksonville. The Chargers have a 27 nothing lead. You yourself said, highly unlikely we go to overtime. And at the end of the game, the game-winning kick, you kick is up. It's good. Jags win. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Show a little excitement. So, I don't know. That's just a pet peeve I had. Hey, how about this? Nathan Rourke going to those Jaguars with Henry Burris, Mike McCoy, two former CFL quarterbacks. That obviously had something to do with it. Was it a head-scratcher for you? No, because I think he has a very good shot at being the backup to Trevor Lawrence next year. I mean, I think their backup right now is at C.J. Bathurst or yeah, whatever yeah, the Bathard, heck yeah. his name is. That he was a draft pick for the Niners a few yep. years ago. I mean, Nathan Rourke can beat him out in a camp. I mean, give Rourke a mini camp, a whole training Will camp. Will he play? Will he play? He'll play in the preseason, but he's yeah. not going to play if Trevor Lawrence yeah, is healthy. Like he's but young, he's one play away, baby. You know the scene. Yeah, he's no, one play away I, from being an NFL starter. I know, and he's also uh, one play away from just sitting on the bench for three years. He's going to collect some nice cash, no doubt about it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we'll have him on after 4 o'clock so we can ask him all those questions. Yeah. The Ottawa Red Blacks have extended quarterback Jeremiah Masoli through the 2024 season. Uh, Masoli signed with the Red Blacks last offseason on a two-year deal, injured in Game 4 right here in Saskatchewan when he got uh, low-balled there by our uh, our friend there, uh, yeah, our, Garrett Marino. Yeah. And... Uh, we know what happened there. Do you think? Do you think uh, Masoli's done sulking yet? Is he ready to play football? Yeah, probably. Uh, probably because uh, he he did what he had to do. He got Marino out of the league. Yeah. Like, he did it. He, he got. He's Marino done sulking. Yeah, he's, he's, done, ready, he's ready. Yeah, to play he's, ball he, again. Yeah, he's done whining and crying. <laughs> um, he, but I thought his whole life was over. I thought everything was over for him. Yeah. I thought his career was done. Isn't that what people were telling you? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And you want proof that sports are fun to play, but an awful business. Oh, boy. Vancouver Canucks president Jim Rutherford admits he's talked to other coaching candidates, but Bruce Boudreaux is still their guy. No wonder this team stinks. Just let Boudreaux go already. This is the same team that gave all that money to J.T. Miller and uh, didn't give money to Bo Horvat, and they're going to lose Bo Bo Horvat, who's better than J.T. Miller. Um, They really screwed themselves. But, Zinger, this is great news for the B.C. Lions. Because with Amar Doman and everything that he's been doing there, they maybe can capture a bit of the spotlight. Yeah, I hope so. Now, it hurts that Rourke leaves, because I don't know that Vernon Adams has the same pizzazz. But how about this? I always thought it was a two-horse race between Hamilton and Saskatchewan for Bo Levi-Mitchell. Oh, no. Does BC enter the fray now? Uh, I think they how, would how have to. They? How I think they, they have to. Yeah, I think they, they have yeah. to. Well, I think they have to. Interesting. Uh, 936-6262, the text line. That's also the number to call locally, 936-6262, or toll-free 1-866-767-0621. Uh, before we go to break here, 
had some sad news uh, as it relates to Harvard Media and CKRM. Now, this guy's been working as the morning news anchor at GX94 for a handful of years, but he started here at Harvard Broadcasting in the same newsroom with me at 2060 Halifax Street by the General Hospital two weeks after I started in 1997. He passed away last Friday at the age, I believe, of 67. He's a friend of mine and one of the best news readers in the last 25, 30 years in Saskatchewan, Craig Wallabeck. I dug up now this is going to be a, i love this because it's dirty audio this would have been from about 1997 ish okay dirty audio from craig wallabeck one of his earlier newscasts in the regina market he passes away at the age of 67 our thoughts and prayers go out to his um his uh wife susan family and friends we count ourselves among his friends but here's a uh, craig wallabeck I'm Greg Wallabank. In the news today, a different tack in the farm protest. On the markets, the TSE closed down 36 points, the Dow was up 85, and the dollar closed at 68.39 cents U.S. Now your official 980 CKRM country weather, clear tonight. Some fog patches tomorrow and then cloudy on Thursday. In Moose Jaw, plus one degree. In Regina, partly cloudy, zero Celsius, 32 Fahrenheit. The farm protesters at the Saskatchewan legislature have written letters to the wives of Premier Roy Romanoff and Deputy Premier Lane Lingenfelter. Meantime, Premier Romano says he is not about to speculate on whether there'll be farm aid in next week's federal budget. Five minutes after four, Michael Ball has sports next. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage on another mild January day in downtown Regina. Tell you what. One more day closer to spring, one more day closer to football, one less day of cold winter. We're pretty happy about that. This show's brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. Great time to order Western Pizza. I was there with our buddy Spiro yesterday, a big family gathering there for my aunt and uncle. So uh, there you go, out supporting our sponsor. Hey, uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, the color commentator of the BC Lions Radio Network, it is our friend Julio Caravada. Uh, I haven't talked to you in the new year. Happy New Year. I know we're midway through, but I always like to say it first of heaven <laughs> if I'm still in January. So happy New Year, man. Hopefully it's off to a good start for you. I don't know. It, uh, how do you feel? Good or bad for the CFL that this kid's leaving to go to Jacksonville, Nathan Rourke? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, it's bad, obviously. Um, you know, Nathan's. Nathan's performance last year took the entire entire country by storm. Um, so you know, what I mean, I, I think it's it was they were hoping. I think that they could build on 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 him and and you know what he did for the game uh, going into this upcoming season. But um, you know, I'm 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 happy for him in the in the sense this is a dream of his that you know he wants to, to try and fulfill and. You can't blame a kid for 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 wanting that. And um, although I, I won't lie, I'm a, I was a little surprised mm-hmm. at the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more I think about it, I think it really has a lot to do with. You know, when you work out for what was it? I think twelve or fourteen teams. Twelve, yeah. Yeah. So you know, Ballsy, you get a you know you've been around these guys. You know, you know these they they get a feel for, you know, what the interest is really like. You know, they, they get a feel for, you know, how they're being talked to, how, who's talking to them. And it just leads me to believe that, you know, Henry Burris, who was here 
in Vancouver with the Lions as a consultant for a couple of months prior to him leaving for Jacksonville, I think his his connection there, uh, I think, has helped Nathan. And I think that Nathan probably realizes that as he probably talked to organizations and looked at, you know, what my path to, you know, being able to play or, or making the team or whatever it was, he got the best feeling from Jacksonville. Yeah. And I mean, so you mean that, 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 that in itself makes, I think, the most amount of sense because with another thing we've talked about, when you go and take this chance and you take this opportunity, you have got to have somebody in your corner. You have to. Yep, and Henry Burris is that guy. Mike exactly. Ma- Mike McCoy knows the CFL coming from the Stampeders. Doug, yeah. Doug Peterson looks like a real quarterback-friendly coach, the way he's turned around Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I was scratching my head a little bit. We're going to have Nathan on the show in a little bit here to ask him ourselves. I know he talked with Justin Duncan, Three Down Nation, but I'll ask him my own questions. But, you know... Um, he's going to have a legitimate shot, it looks like, to be the number two guy going forward, and that's all you can ask at this point. But barring injury, he'll never play there. So the Nathan Rourke I know wants to play. So that'll be interesting going forward. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, that, that to me, you know, is, is the big thing, right? I know that when he was here and when he wasn't playing and he was behind um, Mike Riley, you know, I was one of the things that he pointed out to us was, you know, he really missed playing. You know, he's so used to being on the field that it was hard for him, you know, not to play. And I think, you know, he's going to have to get used to that, right? He's going to have to get used to, you know, being that sounding board for Trevor Lawrence and for, you know, being that guy to, you know, help out on the sidelines, help prepare. And obviously he's going to get his share of reps in practice and the preseason, but you know, barring an injury to Trevor Lawrence, you know, I mean, he will, he will be the guy that's going to be one of the backups. Uh, whether he's the number two or number three, that's going to now be left up to him because this is the step one in the process. Right now, you're getting the opportunity. Now you need to go prove that, you know, you belong. And now you're going to need to do that through the reps that you're going to get through practice and, and, and preseason. Mm-hmm. Julio Caravetta, color commentator for the BC Lions, joining us. Hey, your owner, Amar Doman's done a great job building momentum there. Now, let's be honest, uh, the, it was must-see TV with Nathan Rourke, so he kind of fell into it a little bit there. Um, does Vernon Adams have the same spark? Can he get the same spark? Or, I, I, always, thought it, I always thought it was a two-horse race here, Julio. I thought it was... I thought it was Hamilton and Saskatchewan for Bo, but maybe B- Bo Levi Mitchell brings star quality to BC. Well, you mean that, that's, an, that's an excellent point. And I, I, here's the thing. And, and, you know, with Vernon, you've got to remember a couple of things. Because and, and, Vernon's been around the league, and he's, you know, he, he hasn't been maybe as consistent, but he was 4-2 and two as a starter here. And the other thing that now that, now that they're going to move forward – if Vernon is the guy that they're going to go with, now you have an opportunity to build your offense around him as opposed to trying to fit him into what Nathan was doing. So now maybe, you know, your offense changes a little bit to try to take advantage of some of the things that Nathan does well. Or, sorry, excuse me, that Vernon does well. So I, I think that that changes their mentality. Hey, listen, there's, there's, no, there's no questioning the fact that now they are going to you know, they have to go get another guy, a guy that 
that can play. And that's not going to be a young guy. That's going to be somebody that maybe has the, or has experience in the league. So however they decide to approach this, there's a lot of different options out there right now. Potentially, Is it Cody Fajardo? Yeah, Cody's, a, Cody's one I've said. Cody goes to BC, uh, a guy that would be happy uh, competing for the starting job, but not necessarily the pressure. And uh, Montreal could be a landing spot too with Jason Moss. Yeah, exactly. So you mean that though, there are some... There's some viable options. So, you know, and this is something that clearly that Neil McAvoy and Rick Campbell knew was a very good possibility that they were going to lose him. And so I know that there's been a lot of thought gone into what the plan moving forward is. So you have, you have a Vernon. Now the idea is that you need to go out and get another guy. And then I think the importance of finding the next guy and that's everybody's Mm-hmm. You know, situation, right? We we there's a shortage of quarterbacks everywhere. It's not just it's not just the CFL. There there's a shortage of real good ones. So you need to find that young guy, hopefully, and develop him, and hope he can be that next guy. Julio, thanks for your time, man. I always appreciate chatting football with you. We'll check in with you again. BC Lions, it's great. The BC Lions in Vancouver. Are the lead dog now? It feels like because the Canucks are such a mess, isn't it? It yeah. feels it feels great to talk BC Lions foot, doesn't it? It feels exactly. like they're front and center. Yeah, no, and, and they got to take and they they, they got to take advantage of that, right? They got to take advantage of it. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Great guy, Julio Caravada, in a league with many great people. He's he's near the top of the list. Coming up after four o'clock, we'll talk with the man we were chatting about there, Nathan Rourke. The quarterback of the Jacksonville Jags at about 4.07. But on the other side of the 3.30 news with Corey Atkinson, we are going to hear from Mike Kelly of the NHL Network and our Coach of the Week. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 6.20 CKRM. We're here with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed they'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. Martin Luther King Day in the United States of America. We got NHL games, NBA games going on all over the place right now. Two finals already in the National Hockey League. The Boston Bruins blanked the Philadelphia Flyers 6 to nothing. The Florida Panthers with a 4-1 to win in Buffalo. And right now the Colorado Avalanche have a 4 to nothing lead on Detroit. Devils up on the Sharks 1 to nothing. Tampa Bay Lightning are in Seattle. That one is scoreless in the first period. NBA, the Raptors are at MSG taking on them. Detroit Knicks or Detroit Knicks. How about New York Knicks? It's 64 to 60 right now for the Knicks. And the Milwaukee Bucks, they're coming back a bit. They're down 104 to 101 at home versus the Indiana Pacers. All right, this is our coach of the week, my good friend Frank Fiaco over at the Lonsdale Boxing Club and your boxing club involved in the competition Silver Gloves and Medicine Hat. How did the weekend go, Frank? You know, it was a great learning experience for these boxers. We uh, we ended up with a win and a close bout with one boxer. A couple of their boxers uh, boxed some boxers that had a lot more experience than them. So I was able to have something that here's what we need to work on, where we need to improve and things that we can do different. So, yeah, it was a great learning experience on a move-forward basis. So you, you talk about learning experience. What do you mean when you say that? If you can uh, dive a little deeper for me. What, you know, what does a boxer learn in a weekend like that? 
you know, you, you end up seeing um, where you can be. The some stuff is like, hey, you know, we got to be working on our cardio a little bit more. We start running out of gas. We got to look at, you know, where's our technique on getting some of our power punches off? Are we turning on our punches? So working on our the technical aspect so that we can get better on that. Is cardio the really the generic thing for boxers that they that they all generally have to work on? You know, by and large. At the, yeah, at the end of the day, with uh, you can have all the skills in the world. But if you don't have the cardio to go with it, and the other guy does, you start petering out, and then you end up uh, taking punches and uh, dying out in the latter part of it that you shouldn't be doing. So, yeah, cardio is the number one and thing that you you require definitely in boxing. Well, I tell you what, though, Frank, because you helped me when we uh, uh, had our events boxed against you and helped me with the last one we did at your club. When you start to learn this game, it's in-ring management, how to control your energy, how to control your body. Don't get too hyped up at the start like like maybe some of these kids would in a competition on the road. You're exactly right, and that's what happened with one of our boxers. Uh, got a little bit, he was boxing a hometown guy. Uh, the crowd was into it, and he started getting a little bit hyped. That um, box, he ended up boxing out of his element and did some things that he doesn't normally do because he got carried away in the hype. So it's understanding that uh, you know you can't let that get to you. Here's your game plan, and stick with the game plan. So, and we're reviewing the tapes, and because uh, we tape everything that we go to to see, okay. Let's pick out our pros. Let's pick out our cons. Okay, moving forward, let's continue doing this. And let's work on this so it doesn't happen next time. This is our Coach of the Week, Frank Fiacco at the Lonsdale Boxing Club. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Joined now by the NHL Network's Mike Kelly, a great follow at Mike Kelly NHL. Thanks for taking my call, Mike. First off, Last time we talked, you were about to reveal uh, a nice uh, little piece on Mark Shifley and his playmaking ability. So for my listeners, why don't you detail that? Yeah, sure. So a segment that uh, I did on the NHL Network, it was about the halfway point of the season. And, you know, I start looking for trends and anomalies and, and, you know, things that are interesting. And I found an anomaly that was, you know, in terms of playmaking, maybe the biggest I've ever seen. And it just made no sense. And it was that Mark Shifley at the time had 20-plus goals and nine assists, single digits and assists. Um, so the whole idea is, like, you might think, okay, well, this is a goal scorer. You know, he gets the puck and he shoots it, but he really doesn't shoot the puck a lot at all, actually. He's, uh, of the guys that score a lot, he's the most selective shooter of the bunch, uh, really waits for quality shots before he lets it go. And, you know, you start thinking, well, maybe he's not a great playmaker. Well, his playmaking stats, so I'm talking about passing, uh, pass completions in the offensive zone, passes into the slot where, you know, the quality shots come from, all those things. He's up with the top guys in the league and guys that have a ton of assists. So it made no sense. Um, and I looked at all the video of this, and, and really he's setting up these great chances and just guys aren't scoring. It's crazy. So, you know, basically the crux of it was I said, He's going to get a lot of assists. Like in the second half of the season, mm-hmm. um, I would expect those totals to go up quite a lot. And uh, let's see, since I did that segment, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, five assists, uh, which is a whole heck of a lot, a lot more than the nine he had in 40-something games <laughs> uh, when I did it. Hey, Mike, are the Jets legitimate cup contenders at this point, do you think? Yep, I do. Um the, the only question I really ever had about this team going back a few years was was defending. 
Um, their goalie's a, a rock star. We know that. Hellebuck. Uh, offensively, when they're healthy, they've got, you know, their top six is, is as dangerous as anybody's. You look at those six players, I mean, they can all bring it at, a, at an elite level. Um, and their depth isn't bad either. It was just the fact that they, they gave up way too many chances all the time. Um, and Rick Bonus has come in there with his coaching staff this year and done a terrific job of, you know, changing the way and the structure and, and how they defend in their own end. And now you got a team that's top five in the league defending uh, shots from the inner slot, the most dangerous scoring area, and not giving up cycle chances. So that, to me, has been the biggest driver of their success this year. They just got a bunch of guys back healthy, Wheeler, Perfetti, Ehlers, uh, Nate Schmidt. So um, this team's healthy. They're as good to me right now as anybody in the West. Sometimes it's just a different voice, though, right? Like Bonas comes to uh, Winnipeg, leaves Dallas. The Birds comes into Dallas. And, I mean, it's just, it's just a different... Uh... It's a different voice sometimes because you look at Dallas, they're playing kind of the same hockey they were with Rick there, but they're just more successful or they just look good. Yeah, no, they have been good. Jake Ottinger has been outstanding this year. Um, you know, they're giving up a little more than they had in the past. Mm. Um, but, you know, it opens up a bit more offense as well, right? So it's that's what it's all about is trying to find that balance. Um, if you're a team that is, you know, really good defensively but has trouble scoring, and that has been Dallas's issue for a few years, you want to open that door a little bit, but not too much. So how do you find that balance? I think they're, they're finding a good spot there. Uh, with Winnipeg, it was maybe a little bit of the opposite. They had to tighten up defensively. They have, but they're scoring too. So um, different voice, absolutely. Like, you know, Paul Maurice basically, he left Winnipeg saying he didn't think there's anything else he could do there. Like he, he, he didn't know that he could take the group any farther. Um, and so Rick Bonus comes in. For whatever reason, they're completely bought into the defensive structure that he's selling, uh, and they're executing, and they're and they're playing really well. Uh, and there's a guy, uh, uh, Maurice, who I like as a coach, goes to Florida. What the heck happened to Florida, Mike Kelly? Well, look, it, it often starts with goaltending, whether your your team is elite or not, uh, or at the bottom end of it. And in Florida, like their goaltending last year was okay. It, it was statistically like almost literally average. And that's fine when you score four goals a game like they did. Uh, you can have great success, and they did in the regular season anyways. Um, not scoring quite as much this year, although they're generating a lot of offense, so uh, a bit of that is unusual. Um, but, you know, defensively, they're, they weren't elite last year either, but they're a little bit worse this year. And they're not as dangerous, you know, off the rush as an attack team, a counterpunch team, as they were last year. So I think there's a few different contributing factors Um and look, you lose, you know, Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, and I know you bring in Matthew Kachuk, and he's been unreal. He's their best player by far. Um, but it does change the dynamic of a team when you, you move out real key pieces. And we've seen that happen in Calgary. You know, a lot of people, myself included, said they could be even better this year. And they definitely haven't been. So there's something to that whole you know, chemistry, trying to put all the pieces together to make it work. Well, right, because Huberto has eight goals. Clean cost and just up the highway for the Oilers has not <laughs> has nine. That's, I mean, that's an interesting uh, stat there. Yeah, he's been on a heater uh, since, what, about mid-December, I think, right? So, yeah. Um, the, the Oilers need that, though, and it's great. Like, I, I find it interesting all the time, the discussion about the Oilers' depth, because McDavid and Dreisaitl do so much, and then you can kind of go, all right, well, Hyman and and Nuge have been unbelievable this year, so let's throw them in there. Okay, those four guys do so much. Well, do you really need that much depth if 
those four guys can carry the weight the way they do and the team is still top five in scoring and they still have the best power play in the league, or maybe it's not offense that's the problem, but you get someone like Kostin who plays a physical game, kind of power game, you know, isn't trying to go through five guys to score a goal. Like he knows how to, you know, he knows what his bread and butter is. He's going to the net and he's, he's been getting them to go in lately, which is great. Mm. Um, so it, it helps for sure. Uh, when you can get contributions outside anybody though, than uh, those big four guys. And I guess Evander Kane will be coming back pretty soon. So yeah, that's uh, only going to help them. So you uh, tweeted at Mike Kelly, NHL, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as of the 14th of January, eighth in league scoring, He's on pace to score 98 points, and the only Canadian-born player with more points than him is Connor McDavid, at least as of January 14th when I seen your Twitter feed. Anyway, doesn't matter. This guy's having an unreal year in his 12th year. Yeah, he is. And, you know, look, a lot of it's come on the power play, and I, I yeah. go through the, the replies of that tweet, and it's funny because it just opens the floodgates for Leafs and Oilers fans to yell at each other. Uh, which they never, they never need an excuse to do that. So I guess I gave them one though, but, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of power play points. Sure. Um, they have the best power play in the league and, you know, he's a, he's a part of it. So I give him credit for that. Uh, I didn't say that he's, you know, among the best even strength scorers or point producers. He's not it's a very good one without question. Uh, but not a top 10 guy in that sense. And that's fine. So, you know, the thing with Nugent Hopkins, is he's such a smart player. Um, I know that, you know, going back a few years and different coaches, he was asked to to really dial it in on the defensive side of the game um, for the betterment of the team because they had Connor and Leon. And I think he, he, I know he did that, but I think he took that maybe a little to heart too much. He's a gifted offensive player as well because he's so smart and he's skilled. Um, so we've seen that part of his game kind of come back alive. And I never thought he'd be a 100-point player, but he doesn't have to be to be a really effective one. Um, so if he scores, you know, a point a game this season, even if he has a bit of a, a drop down the stretch, he does so much for that team that's, that's important. Um, he's a great player, and, and having him, having Hyman, having the great years they're having, it's definitely helping. It's, it's uh, you know, goaltending on the defensive side that uh, is keeping them from being a top-ten team in the league. And lastly... They have ugly uniforms, in my opinion, but they're playing beautifully. How about the Seattle Kraken sweeping their road trip? <laughs> sweeping their road trip, Mike Kelly. You don't like the uniform? Oh, I hate them. Hate them. The the logo, the color scheme, all of it. Ever everything. It's I don't like it at all. But anyway, they're okay. playing. They're playing well, though. Yeah, well, if you're going to dress poorly, you better you know, <laughs> do your job well. I guess, right? Um, yeah, no, they're they're playing great, and that there is the kind of flag with that team that they are scoring beyond you know, the, the shots and the chances they're generating more than anybody. Um, they lead the league in, in five-on-five goals. Their shooting percentage, if you want to get into expected goals, whatever, it's alarm bells. Um, but they're sustaining it to this point of the season. I mean, we're not in game 10 or 15 anymore. And they have great depth. And um, I'm not saying they're going to continue scoring at the pace they are or, or winning at the pace they are. Of course they won't. They're, they've won eight in a row, right? But... Um, they don't rely on a couple of guys. So a guy gets injured or a guy or two go cold. They get scoring up and down the lineup. Like I looked at this about a week ago. It might've changed a little bit, but when I was looking at the kind of the top four carrying Edmonton, I looked at um, the the big four forwards in Edmonton. That's 76% of the, the forwards goals as a team. Mm-hmm. I looked at the big four in Seattle. It's under 50%. So they get scoring everywhere. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful for them. 
they're a great uh, forechecking team as well. They cause a lot of turnovers. They force teams into mistakes, and then they counterpunch. And, and they do it well. They play well defensively. Their goaltending hasn't been fantastic, but it hasn't had to be. So uh, it's a great story, and, and I'm glad to see it. Yeah, for sure. Mike Kelly, NHL Network, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, anytime, Michael. Thank you. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, let's talk some NFL football here. Great wild card weekend. Every game was unique. Let's start with the Niners versus Seattle. Now, Geno Smith is a great story, but I don't think you can win with him when the chips are on the table. I'm not sure I'd re-sign him unless it's a team-friendly deal for the Seahawks. Brock Purdy? Wow. Had one of the best second halves in NFL playoff history for a rookie quarterback. What a great story Purdy is. He throws well on the run. That's a really, really good team. I picked the Niners at the start of the year to win over my Chargers. The Niners winning is one prediction I might get right. My Chargers won't play in the Super Bowl. They're up 27-0 on the Jags. And my phone's blowing up. Wow, ballsy. You must be pumped. This is great. Going to be a great game next week against the Chiefs. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. I've watched Chargers football since 1981. And it's for that reason I'm not mad. I could see it coming. When around their 30-ish with three minutes to play in the opening half and up 27-0, they run a jet sweep with a practice roster receiver, Michael Bandy, fumble, half the punt, and the Jags go down and score a touchdown late in the first half. If they run it, get a first down, which they were moving the ball on the Jags. It's 27 nothing at the end of the first half, at the very least, and the game is probably over. I fire the entire offensive staff. And Brandon Staley, the head coach, even though his players support him, he should be gone too. First of all, for that collapse, because he's the face, and for playing receiver Mike Williams in a meaningless game. If Williams played in that game, they could have put it away early. And let's be honest here. If Sean Payton, Andy Reid, or Bill Belichick is coaching that Chargers team, they win that game and are playing this week. No doubt about it. I'd bet my house on it. And the GM Tom Telesco needs to go. No depth on the O-line, which has been a problem forever. And you've got DeAndre Carter on his ninth team and Michael Bandy as your number three and four receivers in a playoff game. That's it. Clean house. Bring in Sean Payton. Even if it costs you $20 million a year, a buyout for Staley's contract, and a couple of first-round picks. But the Spanos family is too cheap and clueless they won't. As for the Jags, Nathan Rourke's new team, Doug Peterson has done a great job with that club. People went to games in Jacksonville last year wearing clown masks, and now they're to the second round of the playoffs. One last thing, folks, it's called chargering, and it's real. Giants and the Vikings. No two teams in the NFL let their fan bases down more than the Chargers and the Vikings. In this league, there's a common theme. You saw it with the first two games I referenced. Coaching and quarterbacking. They matter. Period. The Giants got the coach of the year in Brian Dable, who, by the way, the Chargers could have had with Herbert. And they got an okay quarterback in Daniel Jones who can win you a playoff game or two with the right coaching and game plan. The Vikings look like they've got a good head coach as well. But Kirk Cousins is who he is. An average quarterback with limited confidence. He throws underneath to a tight end in man coverage on fourth and eight. What? 
That's useless. He plays scared. Puckered up in big spots. How about Buffalo and Miami? Dolphins coach Mike McDaniels did a great job. That team with a third-string quarterback play their balls off. If Tua plays, they probably win. The Bills are very talented, but very sloppy. They don't play tight, buttoned-up football on offense. They're like Mike Tyson. They swing for the fences. The knockout punch. Josh Allen, electrifying at quarterback. Makes big plays, but he also makes a lot of careless ones, too. And this team can't consistently run the football unless Allen is doing it. And if you can't do that and play sloppy on offense, you're not going to the Super Bowl. Dolphins will have an interesting offseason. Do they stay with Tua or do they move on for a guy like Derek Carr? Snicker, if you will, but Carr's still a top 10 quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacking, Tyler Huntley did a great job last night for the Ravens. He played his butt off. Now, I didn't like the goal line plunge by Huntley that turned into a 98-yard huff-and-puff run by Cincy's own Sam Hubbard, the big D lineman. The Bengals beat a tough divisional opponent for the third straight time, this time in the playoffs, but they did lose another offensive lineman. So that's three starters on the O-line hurt, and we'll have to watch their health issue going forward into this week. If you force me to bet right now... Because of their injuries on the O-line, I take Buffalo in a close one. It's going to be a rematch of that Monday nighter that was canceled. I smell DeMar Hamlin being around the field, maybe leading his team out of the tunnel for that game. That'd be the way to go if I was Buffalo to give them a little pep in their step. Tonight's game, Monday Night Football, the last of the wild card games. We've seen a variation of this movie before. Brady, the beloved hero or loathed villain, depending on your taste, prevailing once again. Again and again and again. Terrific. Tom is showing us that in this time of year, he's at his best and that the moment is never too big. The underdog designation does make sense. Brady's Buccaneers limp into the playoffs with an 8-9 record. Lucky to win their division in the NFC South, a division where not a single team managed a 500 record. That's Bush League! What a Bush League! If that happens in the CFL... Brady boasts an astonishing 35 playoff victories, more than twice as many as the second-highest total of 16 held by Joe Montana. The rest of this year's NFC field opened the playoffs with a combined 2-6 and six record of starters, including Dak Prescott, his opponent tonight, who is 1-3. Now, the Cowboys do have big playability on offense and players capable of game-changing heroics on defense, and probably the Cowboys should win. But Dallas has done nothing but choke in the playoffs since Aikman, Smith, and Irvin. It's kind of ironic Troy's there tonight calling the game. Brady is 7-0 versus the Cowboys. Dak, I already told you, is 1-3 in the playoffs. He's good enough to keep both teams in the game. Kind of like a Vernon Adams Jr. and McLeod Bethel Thompson type. I got the Bucks 23-20. to <laughs> Except Singer. Except Zinger, when I just bet my bet, I picked Dallas to win. I went the other way. I don't know. I guess I I appreciate Tom Brady. He's awesome, but I hate him. I, part of me wants him to lose. I didn't bet that much, but I don't know. What do you think? I think I think the Bucks are going to win for some reason. I don't know if because well, they activated their Tampa center Bay today, won, so that'll yeah. help. Tampa Bay won Week One of the year. That means nineteen three. Yeah, that means it squat. doesn't mean much. But. And usually Dak's good after a stinker, so we'll see. Uh, Sean Payton is saying because I referenced him there for the Chargers job. He's saying that if they uh, if a team wants him, probably cost a he's told probably cost. Uh, a mid to late first rounder. That's what the Saints will ask for. We'll see about that. Uh, Joey Bosa erupted. He said he wouldn't talk 
after the game because he kind of flipped a, a bearing in that game against the Jags. This is what he had to say. Uh, I think there just needs to be more accountability. I mean, if I say something to the refs, it's a $40,000 fine. But if they blow a call that ruins an entire team season, they get to, they're probably back in the locker room after the game like, ha, I got that a-hole. You know, yeah, I got him. 15 yards. What a loser. I guarantee you that's what they're talking about in the back. Whatever. Power trip. I'm sick of those effing people. So he'll be getting wow. fined. He'll be getting fined. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, a very good role and the, model. And the Dolphins are <laughs> saying they're going to stick with uh, Tua Tungavailoa. So I don't know yeah, that that's... Stick with them all you want. I think Tua should maybe hang up the helmet and rethink some things. Tua... Hey, look at Tom walking in the building Yeah, here. Tom's looking smooth. Uh, I would think that Tua would have won that game for the... For the uh, Dolphins yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins needed all those weird big plays that they got, and they still lost. And if they had those weird big plays with Tua, I think, I think, I think you're right. Lamar didn't make the trip. Lamar Jackson didn't make the trip. This is what he said on Instagram: When you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. He didn't make the trip to Cincy yesterday. Huntley played his butt off, like I said. Um, if I had a bet today, Zinger, I would pick Buffalo over Cincinnati just because the Bengals have all those O-line issues. Yeah. Yeah. Buffalo didn't exactly blow my doors off, though. Yeah. You know, I, I think the Bengals are going to win the game. I think it's going to be a Hope close so. one. I I, so. I think I have a feeling in my in my belly. It, it's the uh, rematch of the game that got canceled after Hamlin got uh, hit and um, had the cardiac arrest on the field. I'm sure he'll... I'm thinking he'll probably show up at the field. They'll, yeah. they'll help uh, the Bills a little pep in their step. You got any texts at 936-6262? got Brian on the text line says, Hey, Ballsy, what do you say to all of our so-called experts that are saying Dane Evans is the next Riders quarterback? I just threw up a little in my mouth, Brian says. Well, he was good till last year and then went off the rails kind of a little bit like Cody, although Cody's was more hit around like a pinata. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. Uh, I mean, we're done with Cody. He's not coming back here. I think Cody now ends up in B.C. with the Lions behind Vernon Adams or behind Trevor Harris in Montreal if Trevor signs there. Uh, I don't, I'm not for or against it. I want them to go really hard after Bo Levi Mitchell. They need to make their first offer the best because I don't, I'm not of the belief that B.C. is locked in on Vernon Adams Jr., even though mm. Rick Campbell's saying that. I think you gotta do some due diligence if you're a Mardoman and look at the Bo Levi Mitchell. Well, I agree with Brian's second point here. He says, uh, you know, if they sign Dane Evans, it won't sell many tickets, and I I tend to agree with that. Yeah, like, but that, who's that, gonna that... sell tickets besides Nick Arbuckle gonna sell more tickets? Bo Levi. Is McLeod Bethel Thompson? That's what I'm saying, though. Outside of Bo Levi Mitchell, that's it. That's why you gotta back up the truck, baby. Phillips on the text line says, Ballsy, how come you want to fire all the Chargers leadership, but Back to rider leadership after their terrible season? Question mark. They had one terrible season. They had two where they went. They were a game away from the championship. I can't say that about the Chargers. Come on, man, dude. The Raiders were playing for a tie last playoffs and got pissed off because Staley wasn't playing for a tie. I thought, okay, we'll bury you because both teams would have got in on a tie. But Staley's got to be the smartest man in the room. Same thing here, dude. Gambles fourth and three against Cleveland in an early season game, and the only re- in his own 
unknown territory. And the only reason the Chargers won is because the Browns missed a field goal. And then he's in the playoffs. He's got the Jags barely hanging on and kicks two field goals inside the 10-yard line. That's apples and oranges. That's mm. apples and oranges. I will tell you this. If the Riders don't get off to a good start, they'll be cleaning house. They will. That's the... Uh, what, the 3 o'clock hour, Nathan Rourke joins us after 4 here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show. It's trying to get a hold of Nathan Rourke of the Jacksonville Jags. Happy for that kid signing a uh, deal with the Jags. Show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. And uh, you can get a hold of us on our text line at 936 6262. Uh, yeah, so uh, Nathan Rourke, if you missed it, he did sign with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars on the weekend. So he will go to camp with them next year. Their uh, backup quarterback, C.J. Bethard, a former 49er draft pick, is the backup right now. But he's due to go to free agency. So we will chat with him and why he decided to go to Jacksonville. Because they, of course, have Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, video has emerged of him going into a Waffle House right after the game, waving to fans, picking up his waffles. That's uh, a man of the people right there. Trevor Lawrence, four touchdown passes, four interceptions. In that game, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat re-signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to keep another one of their veterans. Um, Jeffcoat mainstay on that D line, inking a one-year deal. It's Martin Luther King Day in the United States, and today we saw Florida beat Buffalo four to one. The Bruins blank the Flyers six to nothing. It was the Avalanche over the Red Wings five two? Right now it is. Well, right now the Avalanche leading the Red Wings five two. Sorry, in the third, in the second. Lightning in Seattle beating the Kraken one nothing just early in the second period. The Seattle Kraken are um, on an eight game heater so far. Sharks leading the Devils two one in the second period, and then we've got the Stars, Golden Knights, Rangers at the Blue Jackets, Ducks visit the Penguins, Capitals at the Islanders, Flames at Predators, and Senators visiting the St. Louis Blues. I can imagine that his phone is blowing up, so we will endeavor to catch up with him in a few minutes. Let us take a break, though, Zinger, and get a hold of our next guest, uh, guest which is Luke Molitor. He has a rooting interest in tonight's football game, Cowboys and the Buccaneers. This is the Sports Cage on 6 20 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. So a little bit of a curveball here. Still trying to catch up with Nathan Rourke and also uh, Luke Molitor getting stood up singer. Reminds me of like grade nine when I got shoved in lockers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll hang out with you, Ballsy. We'll invite you to the party and then get in the locker. <laughs> get in there. Yeah. Quit bullying me, you guys. That Nathan Rourke, what a bully. Yeah. Anyway, probably busy. Imagine his phone's blowing up. I'm sure we'll hook up with him soon. We were going back and forth yesterday via text. Um, all right, so the Regina Pats on a bit of a heater on home ice. They've won three straight. Connor Bedard has come back from the World Juniors and like... That's where the treadmill was kind of turned up to 10 for him. Now he comes back, and you feel like the treadmill's almost 
you know, ratcheted down to about a six. <sighs> On uh, Friday, he had three goals and two assists and a 7-4 win over the Blades. And then you went to the game on Saturday. When, yeah, man. When Connor lit it up over 5,000 there both nights, and Connor got two goals and one assist against the Winterhawks. First off, what did the unis look like for the Winterhawks? <sighs> man, they, they were very underwhelming. They're okay. like Seattle Kraken ripoff uh, unis. Okay. I wish they would have kept the Blackhawks, yeah. not going to lie to you. I like was the- really looking like... The night before the game, I went and looked at their Instagram page to see what their unis look like, and yeah. I was very underwhelmed yeah. then, even more so when I got inside the arena. How did you like the game, the atmosphere, everything like that? That's good. a nice barn when there's about 5,000 yeah, people there. there was, I think, 5,400 peeps inside uh, the Brand Center, and uh, Bedard scored twice uh, twice in the end that I was sitting in. So Nice. And uh, you and your buddy Donovan Service. Yeah, what's up, Donovan Service? You went... Uh, Went to the game together. What'd you have? Hot dogs, mini donuts? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I had a hot dog. I had a cheeseburger. I had fries. And I had a bottle of Coca-Cola. And that cost me $31. And how the hell are you like 140 pounds soaking wet? I don't know, man. You see me. I, 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 you eat everything. I eat everything. You just crushed a bag of Ruffles chips. Yeah, man. You should see me. No, no one eats more chicken wings than me. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> okay. So, the man of the hour, Connor Bernard. Uh Dante DeCaria and Drew Posty caught up with him after the game. Connor, it's Dante and Drew here in the broadcast booth. Thanks for the, taking the time following this uh, 4-3 victory. Connor, tell us what the vibe is right now down near the dressing room. How happy is this group following three straight victories on home ice? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, obviously especially beating you know three teams that are uh, you know ahead of us in the standings too. It's a uh, you know, huge, huge boost for our group and um, you know pretty exciting for us. But uh, that being said, we got a you know big week ahead of us and obviously two uh, kind of four point games next week. So uh, we gotta you know obviously be happy about it right now, but uh, kind of shift our attention towards that soon. Hey, Connor, it kind of seemed like it was a similar game to last night, at least through the first two periods, but then really tight third period. Last night, you guys kind of blew the doors open, but tonight you close out a really, really tight game. In a way, is it a little bit more of a satisfying victory to be able to do that against a really good Portland team? Uh, I don't know. I mean, either way you win is, uh, you know, it's exciting. I thought, uh, you know, we had we had some good chances and, and you know, looks in the third, and obviously their goalie, their goalie played well, and, and so did Simmer. I think, uh, you know, both ways could out, could out a few, but the goalies were standing on their head and you know that's what we need from from our guy obviously so uh you know it's a, obviously a really good win to be able to win a one goal game like that is, is huge for us and uh you know kind of know we can do that is is you know good for our group connor drew and i were talking about this ken schneider and uh, portland came into this game averaging around 39 shots for per hockey game first in the western hockey league you limited them to 33 how important was the defensive play the overall structure of this team only limiting a really good portland team to 33 shots against yeah, it was good. I think that was, uh, you know, obviously a focus. They're a, you know, offensive team. They, uh, they like to play, play in the ozone. Obviously, move pucks quick, and you know, they're, they're fast. So, um, you know, that was that was a big focus for us. Kind of, you know, shut it down as much as we can. And uh, you know, obviously, I thought we did a pretty good job of that. Tell us about the fourth goal. You come out of the penalty box. It was four on four hockey. Obviously, they were able to tie it, and then you were kind of caught sneaking behind the Portland defense. Uh, how did they kind of not detect you? Take take us kind of through that goal and the great pass from Suze Levin, the breakaway goal from you. Yeah, well, I mean, all, all five of their guys were up, and I kind of saw that their guy was uh, pretty tightly checked there by Spoles, I think it was, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of kind of stayed back a little, and you know, he, he lost it, and obviously, nice pass by Suze, and uh, you know, he won in. Um, actually, to follow up on that, Connor, you've been now going five hole a little bit on breakaways. Is that kind of something that you've added to your toolbox recently? Because generally, you go short side, uh, either glove or blocker on your on your right hand shot side. Uh, it's uh, Mac T kind of texted me a, a week ago, or not a week ago, but a while ago, and 
he said to, to do it because that's obviously kind of something he does a lot and uh, you know I don't want to I don't want to kind of like always know on here yeah. but uh, yeah I mean sure. it's uh, it's been working for now but you know kind of whatever he's giving me and then I'll see what see what I got and for fans that don't know who Mac T is that's Mason McTavish of the Anaheim Ducks Drew go ahead uh, yeah Connor one of the things Ken Schneider said was uh, he thought Tanner Brown had a really really good game he laid that huge hit in the neutral zone uh, he did a lot of good things that uh, maybe go unnoticed uh, what did you think of his game tonight yeah, for sure. He's always uh, he's always locked down back there. I mean, obviously, it's so nice to have a have a guy with that experience, and um, you know, obviously he's been on been on some playoff runs and everything. So, uh, you know, he's been unreal ever since he got here. And uh, you know, I agree with agree with Kenny. They had a great game tonight, and um, you know, he was uh, you know guy that we could really trust out there. Zane Rowan and Riley Janelle also had really good games despite not getting on the sport uh, score sheet. Touch on their performances tonight as well. Yeah, two guys that you know are always buzzing and, and always creating stuff, and uh, you know, I mean, their their looks are going to start going in soon. I think uh, you know, Zayner's had some chances for sure, and, and obviously, same with same with Jen. So, um, you know, I'm excited for for that when it starts going in, and um, you know, they're they're so huge to us. Uh, you know how they play and uh, how frustrating they are to play against. Uh, when one of the players on your wing is Riley Janelle, a big body like that, uh, what does it do for for you know skilled guys like you and Sue's the left? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think uh, you know, kind of follow him around, and the puck's gonna squirt out. I think uh, you know, he's always he's always on the forecheck. He's he's a big bod for sure, and, and obviously he's he's got some uh, you know he's got some wheels. So uh, you know, he's a lot of fun to play with, and um, you know, for us, you know, me and Sue's obviously, I think that's uh, you know kind of good to have that guy that you know big body, and, and he's going to get the puck for us. Connor, congratulations on the four to three win over a very good Portland team. Enjoy the victory, and uh, we'll talk to you Friday night against Swift Current. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, so that's Connor Bedard. At the game on Friday, Stanislav Sfosel was honored for his silver medal winning performance with Czechia. And I've never interviewed Stanislav before. This was a this was a nice little chat with the media. Seems like a cool kid. Here's Stanislav Sfosel after the game. Well, uh, we didn't expect before that tournament we'll play final. So I think that first game against Canada helped us a lot because we finished first in group, so we had pretty good uh, opponent in quarterfinal. And then we beat Sweden in overtime. Then we lost in overtime against Canada, but, uh, uh, but that's, uh, that's uh, a <clears throat> first medal after 18 years, so that, that was huge for us. What was it like to go back home? Uh, that was nice, but, uh, but I was here. I was there just for four days, so I saw my family, and uh, I was in elementary school in my in my former hockey t- hockey club. So that wasn't that easy, but uh, it was it was happy to be back at home. What was it like to play against Connor? Why uh, stand in the final? Yeah, that's better play with him than against him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that first game he scored a goal, but I lost, and then. We ended his point streak in a final, but they won. So I don't know. <laughs> Have the two of you talked much about the World Juniors since both of you got back here? Uh, yeah, we talked about it, but uh, not that not not that much as uh, in Halifax. Uh, we we talked about almost every game in Halifax by phone or at the rink. So. Yeah, but not hear about it. We're 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 talking about our games here now. How much fun is it to have him on your team again? With Connor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, games, gas, I that's fun to play with him. Uh, 
he's got 14 points in three games, which is unreal, same as Edward Juniors. He had uh, uh, four, seven, six, 18 points in three games. That's terrible. <laughs> that's disgusting. I'm sorry, that's disgusting. 18 points in three games. I never seen that before, probably. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You've got six points already just in these last two games. How did the World Juniors maybe improve your game, or did that give you an extra step here coming back? Uh, it's hard to say right now. The World Juniors is a different hockey style than in WHL, and uh, and yeah, I think it helped me. It, that tournament helped me. So so I just. I just want to like uh, play my game here. Your game really took a step production-wise before Christmas. Like you're basically at two game, two points a game over like since December or since the BC trip. What really took your game to another level? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I got good players in my line, like Connor, Alexus Dalev, Boryavalis, or Tanner Howe. So that's not that hard. And I think we got good connection on the ice, so that's just about that connection. And if you know how to play hockey, uh, that's not that hard play with them. Can you describe the atmosphere here at the rink at the Bryant Center over the last two games, your first two games back? Well, that was nice. That uh, that first game with that video, that was nice. There was uh, a lot of people on on both of that games, so. So that was good. It's good to be back. That's Stanislav Sposal of your Regina Pats. I'll tell you what, though they've got they've got an exciting team to watch. They they probably won't win anything this year, but you got Suzdalev, right? Tanner Howe. You've got Sposal. You've got Bedard. I mean, they got a Zach Stringer chipping in the tough goals around the yeah, net. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of uh, uh, exciting players. I mean, that Suzdalev. He has. Uh, what do they call it in hockey lingo? Nice mitts. He's he got nice good, mitts. He yeah. has good mitts. Yeah. Yeah. So real good mitts. Real good mitts. So hey, speaking of hockey, you remember back in the day when? Remember when the NBA had their lockout that time? Yeah. And it would have been like uh, I want to say early nineties. Mm. It was right around when the NHL was. Uh, yeah, it was like ninety three. Right around when Bettman became the commissioner of the NHL. Um, and Patrick Ewing said, yeah, his famous quote was, I think it was Patrick Ewing, we, uh, yeah, we make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money, too. <laughs> so it all equals out. That's an all-timer. <laughs> From that file, Robert Leonard, the Robin Leonard, pardon me, the goalie of the Vegas Golden Knights, he signed a five-year, $25 million contract. Uh, with the Knights in 2020, but he's been recovering from hip surgery and a hip problem. He and his wife have filed for bankruptcy in Nevada, citing $50 million in debt. Wow, that's just sad. To dozens of creditors. Very sad. Going Antonio Brown, Evander Kane-like, right? Man. Um, Jeremiah Masoli re-signing with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, he's back now after uh, missing all of last season from Game 4 on when he was hurt here, when he was hit by uh, Marino. Um, where would you put Jeremiah Masoli on your quarterback Probably list? like 5, 6, yeah, something like that, me 6, too. 7. Me too. He's mediocre, come me on. Me too, me too, yeah. He he isn't that great. Um, you think Vernon Adams can lead that team? Uh, like, I do think that's a great landing spot for Cody Fajardo. The BC Lions. 
Do I think Vernon Go. Adams can lead the BC Lions? Uh, no, I don't think he can. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not a believer. See, it's hilarious. I, I used to think he was going to be good, but it's hilarious. What though. has he shown us to make us think that he's going to be a franchise type guy? Bo so, Levi Mitchell got benched last year for a good chunk of the year, and he's going to get one of the biggest paydays. He'll get the biggest payday in the CFL as a backup quarterback. Yeah. Like, if the Riders are bidding for him, if they are, and nobody's told me concretely they are, but if they are, you have to think they are. Because when you need to keep your job, there has to be a sense of urgency for your team, right? So that's where O'Day and Dickinson come into play. And Craig is hopefully going to join us at 5 o'clock. But... Your bid better start with a five. It better start with a five. And I've been doing some digging around. Some people have told me because Hamilton trade for, traded for his rights, he could get guaranteed money. But then a lot of people told me, no, that's not the case. So I'm like, why? Like, oh, yeah, Hamilton Hamilton uh, traded for him. So I guess they can get the jump on negotiating. They went in and wooed him. I don't know if they've given him a contract offer, but I would think anything short of a five will not be happy. Well, not you know, Bo won't be happy with that. And just because there's not many quarterbacks on the market, a guy like Dane Evans is going to get a big contract too. Which well, he's is got kinda... one. He's got one already. So he's got one in the 400 range. So what'll happen is if Bo ends up there, he'll be traded. Mm-hmm. He'll get traded, and they'll get something more than they. I meant, I meant McLeod Bethel Thompson. Oh yeah, Sorry. yeah, he will get a big one. Sorry, yeah. I wonder if he, that's interesting. Will he stay? What's Toronto going to do there? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, McLeod or Chad Kelly? Uh, I said it like a month ago that they, you know, like they're going to do the BC Lion type thing. They're going to keep Kelly for cheap and move on from Macbeth, as they call him. That's what I would do. <laughs> Macbeth, the law yeah. firm, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yeah. Uh, interesting times ahead in the CFL. And I think now with Nathan Rourke going to Jacksonville, and we're still trying to get a hold of Nathan. Obviously, something came up because he doesn't usually do that. Um, with him going to Jacksonville, you got to think the BC Lions are in now. They got to be in for they got, for bowl. Yeah, they yeah. got to be in. Yeah, he he spent a lot of money in there. The Canucks are a tire fire. Amar Doman's got the ball rolling. I don't think he keeps it rolling with Vernon Adams. Like if you have a chance to get Bo Levi Mitchell, you go in. And if you're Bo Levi Mitchell, you're playing half your games indoors mm-hmm. with a great receiving core and a better O line than the Riders got, and maybe better than the Hamilton Tiger Cats got too. So that means that Vernon Adams won't be in BC then, I, I you wouldn't think, right? If, if well, Bo, if, get Bo, yeah. If, so but then, Rick Campbell. So a, then would Vernon Adams come to Regina? He was here before. Could you he was here before. Could you imagine that? Anyway. I would rather have uh, Vernon Adams than uh, Dane Evans. I would rather have Vernon Adams than... Uh, I was going to say Macbeth, but I don't know. McLeod Bethel Thompson? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know, man. They're all the same quarterback to me. Yeah, you just throw them all in a yeah. pot, mix them around, yeah. and you know, one guy will be good one week, and the other guy it's won't like be. like a good CFL gumbo, yeah. kind of. <laughs> uh, when we come back, we'll speak with Glenn Suter. We'll hopefully catch up with Nathan Rourke. And uh, Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ, joins us after 5.30. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Your sports ticker, it's 432. Dallas Cowboys getting set to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight in the last wild card game of the weekend. The winner of tonight's game will take on the San Francisco 49ers this coming Sunday at 530. 
p.m. Saskatchewan time. And, uh, yes, so the rest of the playoff field is set as it is right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars will be in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Also Saturday at 7.15, the New York football Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And then on Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals in Orchard Park, New York, to take on the Buffalo Bills. And as I mentioned before, the winner of tonight's game will be in San Francisco at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday. And here's Rourke looking left. Rourke looking all day to throw. All day to throw. Throws over the middle. It's high. It's caught. Dominic rides a a one-handed catch. And he goes in the end zone for the touchdown. Nathan Rourke had a Coke and a hot dog. And now he has a touchdown pass. Nathan Rourke takes the shotgun snap. He backpedals. He throws to the end zone. Off his back foot. And it's caught for the touchdown. Javon Katoy. And going up top, down the middle for Hatcher, and he made the catch. I told you that kid's good. Rourke keeps it, dives, and he's in. Nathan Rourke's fourth rushing touchdown of the year. Looks left to throw, oh. wide open. Well, Lucky that. Whitehead is gone. Goodbye, touchdown, BC Lions. 90 yards to the house as Nathan Rourke will take a knee, and that will end the football game. Yes, sirree. Nathan Rourke lighting the 2022 CFL season on fire, man. This guy had 25 touchdown passes to just 10 interceptions, 3,349 yards passing through the air. And not only that, how about 304 yards rushing along the ground with seven rushing touchdowns. Nathan Rourke, now Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage in this segment of the Sports Cage. Press coverage is brought to you by our friends over there at Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. I know a lot of people were tuning in for Nathan Rourke. We're trying to hook up with him, try to do it before the end of the show. Craig Dickinson, our Rough Rider head coach, comes to us after 5 o'clock. Also, two-time Super Bowl champ Tyrone Poole talking about a great opening weekend of NFL action, which concludes today. By the way, the Dallas Cowboys are pissed off because if they win tonight, they play the 49ers on a short week, and they'll have, they're the only team that has to play in a short week, so they're pretty mad about that. But TV rules the day, man. That's where you get the paychecks. So uh, TV rules. Well, when, when, you th- when you think about it, the Giants and Eagles. I mean, the Giants played yesterday and they play on Saturday, so it's the same difference because the Niners wouldn't play. The, yeah, but you, the winner but, tonight until Sunday, so you're getting that day anyway. They're just mad. You know what it is. Yeah, Anyways, let's malarkey. let's head out and talk to a guy that knows the TV business, Glenn Suter. Uh, eventually, Glenn, you got to pay the bills, and you pay the bills with TV. So I mean. Just the way that it is, right? Monday Night Football uh, puts a lot of money in the coffers. Oh, I would say so. Yeah, that that and uh, every other network that will cover your team and your league 
down south with the competition they have with all the networks. It just that that number just gets it goes through the roof. It's amazing how much money is spent to televise games and gets the get the right. So Nathan Rourke is a Jacksonville Jag. I think we're both on board. We're going to cheer for that team. Looks like a quarterback friendly team. I like what Doug Peterson's done with Trevor Lawrence. Not so much on Saturday when they came back and beat my Chargers, but you got Henry Burris there uh, on the staff, uh, who uh, Nathan would know from his uh, short stint with the BC Lions, and then Mike McCoy, former Calgary Stampeder uh, quarterback and a coach in the NFL. So that's a that's a nice landing spot for him. I don't know that he'll play that much, but I guess you're always one injury away from playing. Yeah, and you don't, you know, we're not going to be fortune tellers and see what happens. I mean, trades happen all the time in the NFL and in every league, and uh, you know, things happen and, and it changes and you get a chance. I mean, you know, Nathan Rourke could be, uh, you know, taking a lot of preseason snaps and then if he if he wins number two coming out of camp and he gets some preseason snaps and other teams see him and see that, that split-second processing speed that he has where he, when the ball from shotgun hits his hands, he knows where he's going with the ball, and it is out of there faster than I've ever seen in either league. So, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of the social media where people were going, well, why would you go there with a top $24 million draft pick just getting his career started? And I thought, no, he went there because – there was a connection and instant respect for Canadian football through Henry Burris and, and, you know, the background that they have in the Canadian football league. So they are in meetings, team meetings, coaches meetings, where they are talking to the coaching staff and guys like Burris and McCoy are saying, Hey, you know, this is a, don't, don't disrespect Canadian football because to make a wide field out throw on time, a 10-yard out is a 60-yard throw sometimes. So, you know, make sure that you get a good look at this kid because he can get it done. So, And, and Henry would know him well. So uh, I, I thought this was a really good – in fact, I texted Nathan right away and I said, this looks like a great fit for you. Uh, congratulations. And I'm going to do nothing but cheer for him, watch him, follow his career. I'll do it from a little bit of a distance now. But it doesn't change for me. I'm real excited for him. Yeah, it's good for the CFL, and, you know, it's a downer for the CFL. It's good because this has never happened before. I don't, off the top of my head, we've never seen a guy this young as a one-year starter going to the NFL this fast. Now, you have had Jeff Garcia after he played here in Calgary, uh, and you had had Warren Moon, but Warren went there because Hugh Campbell went to Houston first from Edmonton, so he had a bit of an in there. But we haven't seen it, I don't think, this fast. I can't remember anyway. No, and after just really, what was it, nine or ten nine games? Nine games, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And, you know, and throwing for well over 300 a game, and, you know, again, it was it was the way he was doing it, not necessarily the numbers or the wins. I think they were eight and one when he was starting and healthy. So, you know, I think it was just the evaluators of talent in both leagues understood what they were watching. I remember walking when he was playing, walking into uh, to talk to Juvio Caravetta, of course, a former former quarterback. And when we do a game in BC, his booth is right beside our booth, and I'd walk in and I'd talk to Julio. And I and I just you know we walk in both real wide eyed saying man I I'm not sure I've ever seen um, a guy understand what is happening defensively 
throw with such great accuracy and precision that quickly. You know, to take the ball, make the read, get it out of your hand, do it as quick as he was doing it and as accurate as he was doing it and throwing on the run and running as well for first downs and touchdowns. Uh, you know, I just think it he, he's an outstanding I, – I've called him a generational player, and I think a lot of people roll their eyes at that. They say, well, he hasn't done enough yet for you to say that. Well, you know, I think we're going to start calling Connor Bedard a generational player or probably already have, and he hasn't even taken one – shift in the NHL yet. So, yeah, yeah. I, th- uh, I think we were waiting. We wa- you're right, because I think we were waiting for this guy for 50 years, 50-plus years. We were waiting for the next great Canadian quarterback, and uh, we did have him. He was a shooting star, and who knows? He could be back in this league one day. Like you said, many things can happen, but best of luck to him, and like I said, we're trying to get a hold of him. Uh, it's not like Nathan to, to not be on time, so something had to have come up. I'm sure we'll hook up with him when we can. It opens the landscape up, though. I really thought this was a two-horse race between the Riders and Hamilton, but you'd have to consider Amar Doman's got to consider Bo Levi Mitchell now in uh, BC, and Bo's got to consider BC. You get to play uh, half of your games indoors. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's quite a supporting cast offensively when you when you look at the, the Lions lineup, even without Brian Burnham in it. Uh, you know, I, I still, Brian Burnham didn't play a lot of last year due to injury, unfortunately, but um, because of that, guys like Keon Hatcher and different players emerge and they become these, you know, great stars of the game. And, uh, you know, even Javon Katoy, who I think we're just scratching the surface on, there's a real good supporting cast in BC. And you're absolutely right. I, Amar Doman and Rick Campbell. Not to say that they don't have confidence in, in Vernon Adams, because I think they do, but if if you can talk to Bowley by Mitchell and make it work to have both of them, possibly, and I know that that's a stretch, because if, if Bo did sign in Vancouver, Vernon probably does move on. But, I, I you know, you still have to have the conversation as a GM to see if it's possible to have both, or you have a Vernon Adams... Cody Fajardo combination in Vancouver, which would really open my eye. I'd be very curious to watch that combination. Two guys who can both move in the pocket, can both throw on the run, both athletic runners, and uh, that style of kind of run-and-shoot type of quarterbacks. And, um, you know, they would they would complement each other very, very well in Vancouver. So I, I think Cody might be a guy that, that Rick Campbell and um, Neil McAvoy take it, you know, make a call to. I agree. I think uh, that would be uh, probably the route they'll go, but they have to kick the tires on Bo, and he has to kick the tires Absolutely. on them, and he has to kick the tires on them. No disrespect to Cody or Vernon, they ain't selling tick. Like Amar Doman has an opportunity here now. He, how do I? Listen, the Canucks are a tire fire. They're a dumpster fire. They are at their lowest point in when they, you know, since they wore those V. Jerseys, those ugly yellow and brown V jerseys. Okay, they're in a bad spot right now. Um, hockey's always big in that market, uh, but they have a chance now to keep this ball rolling. I just don't know uh, excitement-wise if those two guys would be as uh, much of a drawing card as Bo Levi Mitchell. In fact, I know they wouldn't be. But it's all about team building, right? Uh, what, what you know? Maybe you can have a better team with those two guys splitting the quarterback duties, and they're similar quarterbacks too, like you said. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I, you know, I think you you just want to see production early on in the season, and the fan base will be you know real fired up. Obviously, everyone's going to miss Nathan Rourke. That's there's there's no question, and I certainly will too, and I'll miss talking to him. Um, but I watch him in, down in Jacksonville. Just it's just like when a, a player that you love as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan decides to sign as a free agent in Hamilton. Well, you you still see him once a year or maybe twice. Um, you may see him in the playoffs play against your old team. You can still be a fan uh, and and really like the guy and respect what he does. Um, but he's now moved on for whatever reasons, and he's moved on to a different team, and in this case, a different league with Nathan. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Amar Doman will talk to both people when he goes to free agency. I don't know why he wouldn't. And as far as the Canucks go, you know what, Ballsy? This is like this is a market that hasn't sold out Canucks games in a long time. Um, is is just? I mean, the team is struggling badly, as you know. But beyond that, you're looking at hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar tickets to go and watch that. I mean, right now is a perfect time for Doman to say, "Hey, we're going to keep this enthusiasm and excitement going for the twenty three season." Just to, to pick up from the momentum of the 22 season. How about the Bush League NFL? They've got an 8-9 and nine division winner led by Tom Brady taking on a team with a better record, and they get the home game. What a Bush League the NFL is, isn't it? Isn't it a Bush League? Oh, my God. Bush League, Bush League. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how about, hey, how about, Michael, the, uh, you know, the Bills beat Miami, and um, in two, two minutes and 22 seconds left in the game, and the, the the Dolphins mess up a fourth down and inches. They they can't get the ball snapped in time, and they and they don't have a timeout. And you know, so they they take the penalty, and and they now the game is over at two twenty two. I was just you know, there was a lot of good football on the weekend. Don't get me wrong, I I enjoyed a lot of those. Oh, I liked like them all too. Yeah, and, I liked them all. I liked them yeah. all too. Um, how do you how do you Listen, I'm gonna, we're going to come back and we're going to talk culture here because I got a team I want to talk about. Two teams, their culture, but in particular, one team, their culture. And I want to talk about that word because we hear it a lot, but what does that mean and how do you change it around? This is the, this is the uh, sports cage and this is press coverage for Quality Tire on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Press coverage for Quality Tire. The show is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited. Let's head back out in the Western Pizza Hotline speak with our friend Glenn Suter. K-Suits, I've been a Chargers fan since 1981. That's a long time. My team's, my team's up 27 points, okay? My son and I... On FaceTime, watching in our Chargers hoodies, my phone's blowing up. They're up twenty-seven nothing. Everybody's saying, "Ballsy, you must be excited." They're off to play the Chiefs. I'm like, "Whoa, hold the phone." I have watched this team long enough to know they are very capable of screwing it up, and it's exactly what they did. Their kicker, who never missed all year, hit a fifty-yarder earlier in the game, missed from forty. It isn't the playoffs if a Chargers kicker's not missing a field goal. Okay, uh, they went totally brain dead in the second half. But here's my thing. If Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, 
Um, name the Jimmy Johnson. If they're coaching that team, I can guarantee you the Chargers score that next touchdown and win the game. Or they don't run a jet sweep at their 30-yard line, third and one with three minutes to go in the opening half where you're up 27 nothing with a practice roster receiver who's called up. Like, it's about culture, but... Like, how do you get that culture? Where does it start at the top? Where, where, like, how do you get it? Because, like, you even look at the riders. I love the riders. I'm a rough rider lover. You know that. Okay. And I'm not here bashing the team, but if you look at their history, they've only won four gray cups in a nine, sometimes eight team league since 1910. How do you get a culture, a winning culture like the Stamps, like the Steelers, like the Patriots? Like the bombers of late. Like the bombers. I that. Yuck. I yeah. Know, I know that. Of late, I know that's going to kill you. But um, it's a great point, and that's why when you know when we're in the when we're in the season, and we're discussing games. So post game, riders win or lose doesn't matter. We're talking about the game and why it happened, and we're breaking it down. And oftentimes, we'll bring up a coach's decision in a game and say, "Well, you know, I thought it was okay to." to go for it there, to be gutsy on third down and go ahead and try and get the first down on third and two, even though there was seven minutes left. And, and I always will come back and say, no, um, you need to make an in-game management the sound decisions. You need to have done your homework enough to know that statistically even at sometimes you can add that to the analytics of it that sometimes when you look at should I punt or should I go for it, should I, is, is where on the field is fourth and one at time when I should actually go for it and where on the field is it where I have to punt it or have to try a field goal. So if you stop making sound decisions that have been proven over time to give your team the best chance to win, it doesn't guarantee you win, but it does give you the best chance to win, then your players who also know what the right decision is most of the time, not all the players, but a lot of the players will know that it's the right decision to not run that play or to not try a fake field goal at this time or to take the points and not go for it on third down or fourth down. Like this is, if, if you start going by gut feelings or, you know, I had a, I, I just didn't think our defense was playing well enough. Or you, what you've done is you now, now you start rolling the dice, guessing, and your team starts to lose confidence in your ability to make the right call at the right time and their ability now to execute it. That starts to waver as a trickle down effect. Yeah. Do you- I just think. You know, everything matters. Everything you say and do matters. And you better go with conventional wisdom, which has been proven over and over. Take the points when you need to take the points. Don't have a gut feeling and say, oh, we decided to gamble here. Yeah, teams, though, teams, though need an identity, right? Like, I go back to the Chargers for a second here. The, the, the coach, the young coach, tries to get all uh, fancy earlier in the year in Cleveland around the 45-yard line of his side of center field and goes for it on a fourth and two late in the game, and, and they don't get it when he should have punted. And the only reason they win that game is because Cleveland misses a long field goal. Then in this game where Lawrence is throwing four interceptions, they have them inside the... 10, but for sure the 10, but maybe the 5, where they could go 4th and goal, uh, but they settle for two field goals. Like, your team doesn't know if it's coming or going, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's where now, when you're going with those gut feelings, or 
you know, playing a hunch or whatever you want to call it. When you start doing that as a coach, now your team starts to lose confidence. They, they're out there going, well, I don't know what he's going to do, or I don't know. And as soon as you start thinking about those things like that, you, you start, you, you, you know, together, you're, you, it, it chips away at the foundation. But if you're making the sound decision, and guys like Belichick make mistakes, don't get me wrong, but most of the time, they make the sound decision. So their team is anticipating it and knowing, hey, if he decides that it's fourth and one and we're going to go for it, well, that's because he's done the analytics, he's done his homework, and he knows this is the time that we should do that, and we're going to go get it with great confidence. And if 11 guys go out and break the huddle and feel that way, your chances of executing that play go up tenfold. You start guessing, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, well, they go, I don't know what he's doing. I think we should punt here. As soon as you add that in your head, and that's that self-doubt or doubt creeps in there, doubt of the coach or self-doubt in yourself, now you're in trouble. Now, now the elite opponent in front of you, now he has the edge. And that one-on-one battle, you probably lose on that, in the, in that, on that play. So let me tie this into the Riders and culture because we heard that last year. Are you surprised the Riders signed Nick Marshall again after what went on, uh, you know the whole tweet. He's not. He's telling us something behind the locker room door and then saying to you media some other mm-hmm. things, basically without word for word. And then there, there's some talk. They're consi- They're still thinking about Duke Williams. They're they're thinking about bringing back Duke Williams. Does, do those two things surprise you? Well, let me let me put it this way because I I don't want to make it about those two guys. I I you know I. The coaching staff know those two guys, and Jeremy O'Day should know them way better than I will. And what I mean by that is in the locker room. I mean, they know, they know what type of locker room guys they are, what type of teammates they are, and if, if they both are back, then they're clearly comfortable doing that. But what I, what I would say to you is look at the teams that you mentioned, the Patriots in their time with Tom Brady and their runs that they went through, the Bombers in the last three or four years, the Calgary Stampeders over and over again. Tell me the problem child that they've had. Tell me the kids that have been the I me guys. Tell me how many guys you can name from those teams on those rosters. Because I can't think of one of them. Mm-hmm. Like who on, who on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now is a problem guy that occasionally take a bad penalty because he's selfish. I can't think of one off the top off the top of my head. I mean, Alexander, the safety, plays a physical game, but I don't think it's because he's stupid. No, he's a great teammate, and he will never he will never take a penalty on the sideline for throwing his helmet or or whatever. He just because there is such a razor thin fine line between winning and losing. And if if you don't think that 15-yard penalty any time in a game could be the difference in that fine line, then you just don't get it. You, you know, like, and if you keep backing as a coach a guy who doesn't get it because, again, his teammates know, and you keep backing a guy like that, then you start losing credibility. And I'm not suggesting that Craig has. I, I think he still has that locker room, and I think they respect him, and I think he's 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 got the right idea. I just think he's hanging on to some of these guys sometimes too long because you look at teams that consistently win and consistently are in the big game, and that's why Steinhauer was in my top tier. 
Steinhauer is in the big game over and over because he builds that culture. What guy, I mean, Simone Lawrence is, a, is at times a reckless player, but I don't think Simone Lawrence is going to get a penalty on the sideline for throwing his helmet or getting a fight in practice with a teammate. Mm. Good point. I think if you talk if you talk to Simone Lawrence's teammate, they'll say they love they'll say they love him. Mm. So you know my my point is great teams do not have the problem child in their roster. Well, this guy isn't a problem child. He is a great asset. It's Glenn Suter. We'll talk to you later in the week. Thanks for your time, man. Okay, buddy. Hey, and by the way, that Bills Miami game. Did you love when the guys at the in the booth said? 222 left. It's a three-point game. This one's over. I thought, not in the CFL, it would be. No, it could be 10 more points. That's why our game's better. We just got to promote it more. We'll talk about that the next time you're on. Thanks for your time, Glenn. Thanks, buddy. All right, we'll have more of the sports cage, including Craig Dickinson joining us after 5 here on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on this Martin Luther King Day in the United States. So we've got some sports action in the NHL and the NBA. Wherever you're listening, thanks for doing so. 936-6262, the number to text. You can call that number locally if you want to talk some sports. Or 1-866-767-0620. Do we have any texts yet, Zinger? We have Trent on the text line. Trent says that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win by at least three scores tonight. Ooh, that's high. I don't know about that. No, I, I don't trust Buccaneer, that. I think the Buccaneers are going to win. Uh, Tom Brady's the GOAT, man. He is the GOAT. By the way, if I'm ranking GOATs, you got to go with Tom Brady, obviously. Okay, Tom Brady is because he played still in the NFL when you could kind of rough up a receiver. But I don't – listen, I'm a Justin Herbert guy. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback – Joe Burrow, there's a lot of great young quarterbacks, all of them in the AFC. But I'll tell you what, man, the the I don't agree with the stats we're seeing now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think if I'm ranking the GOATs, it's Brady, it's Joe Montana, and then it's uh, Dan Marino. Those three. Because those guys played when, especially the last two I mentioned, when you could absolutely molest a receiver. You could tackle them. They didn't have free reign. Like, it's embarrassing what I'm watching in football now. Just because, you know, scores are high. That's great. We like high scoring. But come on. Did you see the roughing the passer penalty on the Giants when they threw Kirk Cousins down to the ground? Yeah, I know. That's embarrassing. I'm losing my mind. That is embarrassing. So you said Brady, uh, Montana. What was number three? Uh, number three is uh, Dan Marino. Dan Marino. He was okay. the greatest of them all. Yeah, like he, he could man, sing. He had a fastball. Well, he, well, not only he didn't move. He Ooh. had to stand in the pocket. You don't he need couldn't a move, run baby. No. I, I I want more of those. Would you agree with those three? Uh, I wouldn't disagree with them. I mean, the three great quarterbacks. I, Manning I, could be in there. I, I always think of the the one conversation I had with uh, Mark Tressman last year when I asked him who he thought the be- uh, greatest quarterback of all time was. And man, did he put me in my place? He was like, is- he was like, oh, you know. Uh, well, let's not go there, Sean. Not, let's not go there. There's been so many great quarterbacks. You know, yeah. you, you just can't rank them all. Yeah. Like there, and that's the way that I kind of start thinking, though. Like all these guys, like I said earlier in the show, except this time in a better way. Throw all these great quarterbacks in a pot, and you can, you know, just do a random draw. And one day this guy could be the goat. Next day, like because they're well, all great quarterbacks. Brady's man. the goat in terms of longevity, in terms of championships. He's open. 
opening this playoff run for his eighth yeah, Super he's Bowl. He's a cheater. No, he is the champ. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Joe Montana because Joe Montana has, is a perfect. What is it? Four and zero in Super Bowls. Yeah, there's so, no denying that Brady's. You know, I mean, he's won seven Super Bowls. Like I, then, da, the 10, then Dan Marino something. was right up there. Uh, I love it. And, and the guy that made me fall in love with NFL football was Dan Fouts, Eric Coriel with the Chargers. He was terrible. He looked like a drunk. He looked like he was stumbling off a of Willie Nelson's tour bus when he backpedaled. Like this, the old quarterbacks that did the straight drop pack backpedal. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. They look around and just got a little R- bit of a beer belly. Ronnie just, Lancaster. Just slinging it around the field. R- Ronnie did. I love it. I love that. it. Anyway. Tommy Clements, all those old guys did that. While we wait for Coach uh, Craig Dickinson, I had a chance to catch up with... Uh, our friend Manny Arsenault, who just signed with the Edmonton Elks, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Oh, we got him here? Is Coach calling? No? No? Okay, we're going to uh, get to this interview. I caught up with him earlier today while he was coaching football, uh, Little League football down south. So here we go. Here's uh, Manny Arsenault on re-signing with the Elks. All right, we got the Manny Show here. Renewed for another season, the Manny Show. How does that feel, buddy? Yeah. Man, it feels good to be back, man. It's just a blessing. You know, I'm just excited to be back. Second season in Edmonton, 11th in the CFL. What's the key to longevity like that, Manny? Man, it's really taking care of your body, but more so having the mental mental mindset to understand what it is your body needs and knowing how to compete as far as just eating right and just the body of work that you put into it. How long did it take you to figure that out? Man, really, after 2011, that's when I figured it out. Like, my first time going back to the um, NFL, then I was able to work with Adrian Peterson in Houston, and um, he kind of showed me what work ethic really was. So that's kind of when I found out what my body needs. Three different things I hear in sports, I want you to address each of them. First one, the word culture. What does it mean to have good culture like what does that mean to you because you're in that locker room in Edmonton because you're a cultural leader there man when it comes to culture for me honestly it's about the details and discipline because if you can be about the details the discipline automatically comes with it and it's an environment where those around you can actually thrive so that's what I look at culture man just guys that's ready to show up and they put we before me. And when you can get a group of guys to be on the same page and put that kind of work in, that's what culture's all about. And it's like you'll run through a brick wall for the coaches. You see what I'm saying? You'll run through a brick wall for the guy on the side of you. So, but, co- now, but man, co- that's what a coach is about. Coaches can only do so much, Manny. You need a player in there sometimes to take the reins. Uh, uh, you've obviously embraced. Right. You've obviously embraced that, right? Yes. So when it comes to that, it's my body of work, how I'm able to lead by example, in early, out late. When it comes to the weight room, doing what I got to do, the practice field, going to do extra. And when you come in the game, I'm not afraid to catch, block, play special teams, doing whatever it is need be to help my team win. But when I can be a guy that can lead by my example, that goes a long ways because I don't have to be a vocal leader. Vocal leader. Mm-hmm. Guys know when Manny shows up, he comes to work. All right. So that's how you can build that culture. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this in terms of uh, in, a, in a locker. Uh, in, consistency is a word. What does consistency mean to you? Yeah. Man, doing the things that's expected of you as a pro, 
over and over again and not getting bored of the fundamentals. So that's what consistency is for me, man, not getting bored with the fundamentals and the details, the small details. And I would think being consistent when nobody's watching either, right? Right, and that's the biggest point. What you do behind closed doors to prep yourself and get everybody ready, plus yourself. So you just got to be consistent. Like, it's easy for guys to show up at the facility and want to be good when coaches are watching or you out there on the practice field. We're doing everything because we're under supervision. But what are you doing when, okay, the practice hours are over, you know? You got the off day. Do you come in and watch film? Are you at home watching film? Are you learning the game at all? You see, so it's all about character, man. What are you doing when nobody's watching? That's the word for it, character. I are heard, you a man of good character? I heard a coach recently uh, say, I want my players to be tough. But what does toughness mean to you, Manny Arsenault? <laughs> toughness for me, man, is really – for me, it's really being able to get through adversity. Um, it's not always physically being to go in there and just put hands on guys and dominate. It's about how the game to trans, the game to kind of evolved where mental toughness, I think, is the biggest thing. Can you get through the the lows and and and, and the sudden change situations that comes in sports? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to be mentally tough more than anything. And that way, you can build that culture where guys can ride for one another and stick together. So mental toughness, I think, is the biggest part. Because physically, we all have the muscles, we all have the speed, but can we mentally get through this thing? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Two more quick questions for you. I know you're busy coaching youth football here, okay. so thanks for taking time. Okay, here, here's a question for you. How do you feel about the Elks? Usually when Chris Jones takes over a team, he strips it down. In year two, you start to see a lot of progression. Are you feeling that with Edmonton this year? And absolutely, and I kind of felt it last year, but it seems as if we ran out of time. <laughs> that's, a so, good, um, that's a good point. I think things are starting to – yeah, we ran out of time. Things are starting to gel, and – um. But I just think, man, they're going about it the right way, putting a blueprint on this team and um, bringing in the guys where everyone's hand-picked and selected. So it's one of those ones where, you know what, we'll see when it's time. But it's a team that they're putting together, and we just got to hope the chemistry and everyone meshes well together. Lastly, Manny Arsenault, your 11th season, as I said, uh, second with the Elks. What, what keeps you coming back? Because you're not getting rich doing it, that's for sure. Yeah, man, it's the love of the game, man, the fans for me. It's the fans in the locker room, man. That's why I continue to play this game at a high level, being to show up and get guys that's first year, fifth year, third year, motivating them to want to play, them admiring my work ethic and hard work, man. That's what it's about, being in the community. You see kids, you know what, they're excited to see the Manny Show or see Edmonton Elks football, or you got fans that I can hold conversations with and they telling you about your game. So I know for me, man, more importantly, it's the community. That's what keeps me coming back, the community and the fact that I can compete. I'm a guy that loves training camp. I look forward to two-a-days because that lets me tap in like, I don't know, man. I kind of go into one of them modes as if I was a Navy SEAL or something, like <laughs> the hard stuff. So that's what I like most about the game that keeps me coming back. Manny, thanks for your time. Congratulations. Look forward to watching you again this year and talking to you in the near future. Take care. Man, thanks a lot.
kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Jones loads up over the middle. Good throw in catch and a first down. There is Darius Slayton. Jones. It's the running. He's got a lot of room to run. Decides to take it. Tuck it away. Stiff arm. Daniel Jones to Patrick Peterson. And a first down. Jones. Straight drop. Over the middle. Man is wide open and it's caught by Slayton. Room to run. Slayton inside the 35 and he's taken out there. Jones going in. So caught for the touchdown. It's Isaiah Hodgins. As Jones takes off and runs, first down and then some, and Daniel Jones out to the 40. Jones going to keep it, looking for a block, being patient. There's the touch. Jones now with the speed, and he's inside the 15. Jones has a man wide open. It's caught by Bellinger for the touchdown. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones slicing and dicing the Minnesota Vikings defense on Sunday afternoon as the G-men defeat the Vikings 31-24. Jones finished the game 24-35 for 301 yards and two touchdowns, and he also had 78 yards rushing on 17 carries. So New York will now travel to Philadelphia to meet the Eagles on Saturday night. Daniel Jones, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Thieler. Give them a call at 781-1077. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. All right, we're catching up with the coach, Craig Dickinson, for a short spot. Thanks for your time, coach. Let's get right to it. Hey, my Chargers, the team you used to coach back in the day, early 2000s, uh, they just can't get out of their own way. Uh, they always find a way to lose. Um, comes down to culture, coach. That's what people say. It's culture. It's culture. Teams just know how to win. They find a way to win. Teams know how to lose. They find a way to lose. How do you build a good culture? Like, How do you have something like your brother has in Calgary over a long stretch of time, or what Winnipeg's building? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Michael, and that's the that's what everybody's striving to get is that sort of culture. I really think it starts um, it starts at the top. I think it starts with ownership and management, and I think uh, it kind of permeates down. And ultimately, the players are the ones that that kind of reinforce it. There's there's an old saying, it's uh, fit in or get out, so to speak. And um, I, think, I think when you get to that point where the players, players take it over, it really, it really grabs, grabs hold and, and takes off. But I think it really does start at the top. And uh, I think I can point back to my time in Calgary when Ted Heller and John Ferzani and that group took over and bought the team. There was just a different culture immediately. And, of course, then they hired Huffnagel and – and you see what you see now as a result. But I, I do think it starts at the top, and then ultimately the players end up carrying the torch. Okay, Coach uh, Craig Dickinson. Um, now I'm uh, I'm looking at what happened recently. Mason Nias turning down a contract offer. You guys did offer him a contract. He turned it down. I'm going to ask O'Day about that because I know you didn't talk to him. You're the coach. You coach the people that are on the roster once they're signed. Um, but I do want to ask this of you. Um are you concerned 
You know, he's not the only guy. There's been Adam Mackerts of the world, Evan Macabroda, Nick Summick. I could list a bunch of guys that have decided. Madeline Riley, another guy on your team. Yeah. Where it's yeah, like, you know, you know yeah. what? I've got options. I don't need football. Uh, I don't know if I want to, you know, for the wages that are being uh, paid. And that's not your fault, coach. But is there a concern at the league level that we're having good Canadians decide to do something else than play football? Yeah, there is concern, uh, and that's one of the things we addressed at the league meetings in Kananaskis this last week was how can we recruit and and uh, maintain good football players? So it's ha- it had to do with recruiting down south in the U.S., especially with, with these other leagues coming, up, coming about, the XFL and the USFL, and then how can we keep these players um, once we do get them, Canadian and American, and I think the bottom line is is still salary. You know, it's still salary. We, we got to pay them a competitive salary so they don't choose to go work at the hardware store as opposed to being on the team, or they don't choose to go, uh, you know, work for the, the father's company and they stay with us. So I think salaries are still the big issue. And then the other thing is I think you just got to do the best you can to involve them in the community because when they're tied into the community – uh, and have a, a sense of you know belonging within the community. I think they're going to stick with you a little bit longer. But but it's a concern, Michael. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, and the reality is, until we can pay them more, you're going to see good football players decide to do something else. Coach uh, Chris Jones has uh, re-signed Manny Arsenal. He was on just before you. Uh, obviously, he's there as kind of a – because you can do whatever you want, Coach, and say whatever you want, but eventually you need to turn that locker room over to the players. That's kind of really – Manny did a great job for Edmonton, but that's kind of his role. He's kind of like a yes. de facto coach. When you're looking at signing free agents, will you look at that element maybe a little more than you would have in the past, where I need – you know, for every, for every guy that's not a choir boy, so to speak, I need two guys that uh, – that can keep the dressing room together, so to speak. Yeah, I think you got to look at that. I, I do think that if you can't play, though, the vo- your yeah. voice your voice goes kind of unheard in a lot of ways. So I think the fact that Manny resigned with Edmonton, I think he, there's a lot of reasons for it. One being certainly the culture in the locker room and the work ethic Manny brings. But Manny, I mean, Manny still got some some miles miles on him where he can play because I, I think if he didn't, I don't think Chris would have signed him. And it's the same for us. We'll sign a good veteran player that we know will be a good leader in the locker room, but he's still got to be able to play. Because if he doesn't play, that, that leadership doesn't carry the same sort of weight as if he does. Coach, how do you stop it from going off the rails? What happened to the Chargers up 27 to nothing? What do you do to stop that thing? You know, I don't know off the top of my head because I didn't watch the guy. I just watched the ending, but I think – I don't know. It's a it's a belief system, and for some reason, you know, Jacksonville had it, and, and the Chargers didn't. And uh, I think the way the way you stop it is you got to make a couple of plays, either on offense or defense, and flip the switch. But momentum now is a tricky one, and uh, when when a team gets momentum on her side, it's 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 sometimes tough to get it back from them. Can you believe that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is doing what he's doing right now? People are making comparisons way too early to Joe Montana. <laughs> he's doing a nice job, and I'll tell you what, that's a well-coached team over there in San Francisco. I, I have a lot of respect for, for Shanahan and that staff. Uh, they just find a way to, to, to plug and play, and I think they, they're so good uh, where, where I think you need to be up front on both the O and the defensive line that I think – 
it allows the players in the back end to have some success. Yeah, you know, you raise a good. They're well coached. You raise a good point with a minute to go. That's really where this focus has to be on this team this year. We can talk about all the quarterbacking options we want, but we've said it many times. You can't complete passes sitting on your ass. So. Well, you know, you got to. You're probably going to be focused big time on the interior or the both lines, right? Absolutely. I, I I've always been a big believer in that, and this last year taught me that again. Reinforced what I've always thought, but, but slapped me in the face with it. You better be good up front. You better be able to protect your quarterback and run the football, and you better be able to get after the other guys. So that's going to be the focus, Michael, like always, and uh, maybe even more so this year than in other years past. And lastly, any closer to getting a receivers coach, a D line coach? Speaking of lines, yes, yes, we're down to we're down to the short strokes, so to speak, here on this paint this painting. We've got some good candidates. Uh, it's down to about three on the defensive line and about four on the receivers' job. And now we're going to get um, the coordinators involved a little bit more, Coach Shives and, and Kelly, to visit with them, and then we'll just start talking numbers at some point. But we're really close to to getting a guy. I would anticipate in the next two weeks, you know, we certainly want to have a guy in place by the end of the month. So, and you had mentioned this a long time ago that you were wondering if it would be a concern or it is a concern. You wonder if it would be a factor. Has it been a factor when you're interviewing all these people about the fact you have, like you're in the last year of your deal, or does that even really factor in anymore? Because football is a here today, gone tomorrow type thing anyway. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think it factors in a lot. I really don't. I mean, I think I think people that follow the league and follow our situation know we got to win this year, but they also know that every year you got to win. Um, mm. So it's, I mean, it's one thing coming in with a new staff. I think I think that's that's always an advantage because you usually get two or three years if you're the the new staff, you know. And, and but but most of these assistants are on one year contracts anyway, so. Um, I haven't found it to be much of a factor. I really haven't, Mike. And if it is, they're not telling us. Lastly, quickly, who do you got tonight? The GOAT, Brady, or uh, Dak Prescott of the Cowboys? I'm picking the Cowboys, but I'm picking that with my heart as much as with my head. i got some guys on that Dallas staff that I know well and really like. So I'm going for the Cowboys, and I hope they can pull it off. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the game yeah, tonight. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Take, Michael. Talk to you again soon. Take care. That's the coach, Craig Dickinson. When we come back, Tyrone Poole talking NFL football. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. Martin Luther King Day in the U.S. of A. We got NHL games, NBA games going on in the NHL. The Boston Bruins blanked the Philadelphia Flyers 6 to nothing. The Florida Panthers with a 4-1 to win in Buffalo. Avalanche with a 6-3 win versus Detroit. Devils and Sharks are knotted up at 3. That one is headed into overtime. Tampa Bay with a 4-1 win against Seattle and the Toronto Raptors with a 123 to 121 win in overtime at Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks.
This is Pat Chat brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House with locations in Regina and Moose Jaw. The Pats are on a bit of a heater, winning three games in a row since Connor Bedard's been back in the lineup. Friday, they whipped the Blades 7-4. to He had three goals and two assists. And on Saturday, the Portland Winterhawks came to town for the first time in years, and Bedard had two goals and one assist as the Pats won that game 4-3. to Here's how it sounded with our own Dante DiCaria. Now gets it to the blue line for Spolzel. Midpoint, shoots, deflected, score! Goals in back-to-back games for Braxton Whitehead, and the Pats have opened the scoring. Right boards, he'll center it up top again. Left circle, Fice shoots! Great glove save by Dante Genuzzi. Holy smokes, he just robbed Leighton Feist. Stefan, top of the right circle, now in front, deflected by O'Brien. It comes back to the line. Clausen, left circle, shoots! Stopped by Sam, rebound, scores! He'll poke it to neutralize... Newen over the line, throws the puck towards the net, it's loose, but Azoni scores! Loose in front, between the legs, scores! Alexander Sustalev! Stopped in front by the goaltender Januzzi, Bernard gets it back, left circle to the net, scores! Stopped in front by the goaltender Januzzi, Bernard gets it back, left circle to the net, scores! Makes a move to the circle around Whitehead to the net. He scores. Gabe Clausen, what a goal, and we're tied up at three. Newen over the line. Nice little dance move in front, but Bateman took him off. And now a lead pass. Bedard's got a breakaway. Here he comes to the net. Scores! Left side center. Suzalev all alone. Backhander. No! How did that one stay out? Stopped on the goal line by Ryan McCleary. O'Brien digs it up, right corner, now right circle, up top, Clausen, O'Brien, one-timer, where's the puck, it's in, Portland has tied it, they're saying good goal. Uh, I would believe that's what we're looking at, here's the call. No goal! No goal! No goal! Back to Stefan, top of the left circle, shoot, stop, rebound in front, it's cleared out, Pats win! You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here. Boy, we've been striking out. This is the worst show we've had for striking out. Uh, Coach Dickey did join us, but we we call that one a foul tip. We foul tipped it, then we lined it to center for a double. Uh, Nathan Rourke was coming on. We struck absolutely out with Nathan Rourke. And then my buddy Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ, on with every Monday. Don't know what happened there, but uh, you want to uh, text him, Kenny Zinger, for me? Okay, so what we're going to do then is we are going to go back earlier in the show with somebody that did join us, Julio Caravada, color commentator on the BC Lions Radio Network, uh, stopped by to talk about the signing of Nathan Rourke in Jacksonville. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on another mild January day in downtown Regina. Tell you what, one more day closer to spring, one more day closer to football, one less day of cold winter. We're pretty happy about that. This show's brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. Great time to order Western Pizza. I was there with our buddy Spiro yesterday, a big family gathering there for my aunt and uncle. So uh, there you go. Out supporting our sponsor. Hey, uh, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, the color commentator of the BC Lions Radio Network. It is our friend Julio Caravada. Uh, I haven't talked to you in the new year. Happy New Year. I know we're midway through, but I always like to say it first. If, I haven't, if I'm still in January, so Happy New Year, man. Hopefully it's off to a good start for you. I don't know. It, 
how do you feel? Good or bad for the CFL if this kid's leaving to go to Jacksonville, Nathan Rourke? Well, I mean, I think it's bad, obviously. Um, you know, Nathan's, Nathan's performance last year took the entire, entire country by storm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think it's, it was, they were hoping, I think, that they could build on, on, on him and, and, you know, what he did for the game. Uh, going into this upcoming season, but um, you know, I'm 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 happy for him in the in the sense this is a dream of his that you know he wants to, to try and fulfill, and you can't blame a kid for 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 wanting that. And um, although I I won't lie, I'm a, I was a little surprised mm-hmm. at the destination, mm-hmm. um, but I think the more I think about it, I think it really has a lot to do with you know when you work out for what was it I think twelve or fourteen teams twelve yeah. Yeah, so you know, Ballsy, you get a you know you've been around these guys, you know, you know these they they get a feel for, you know, what the interest is really like, you know they they get a feel for you know how they're being talked to, how who's talking to them, and it just leads me to believe that you know Henry Burris, who was here in Vancouver with the Lions as a consultant for a couple of months prior to him leaving for Jacksonville, I think his, his connection there, uh, I think has helped Nathan. And I think that Nathan probably realizes that as he probably talked to organizations and looked at, you know, what my path to, you know, being able to play or, or making the team or whatever it was, he got the best feeling from Jacksonville. Yeah. And I mean, so you mean that, 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 in itself makes, I think, the most amount of sense because with another thing we've talked about, when you go and take this chance and you take this opportunity, you have got to have somebody in your corner. You have to. Yep, and Henry Burris is that guy. Mike exactly. M- Mike McCoy knows the CFL coming from the Stampeders. Doug, yeah. Doug Peterson looks like a real quarterback-friendly coach, the way he's turned around Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I was scratching my head a little bit. We're going to have Nathan on the show in a little bit here to ask him ourselves. I know he talked with Justin Dunk at Three Down Nation, but I'll ask him my own questions. But, you know... Um, he's going to have a legitimate shot, it looks like, to be the number two guy going forward, and that's all you can ask at this point. But barring injury, he'll never play there. So the Nathan Rourke I know wants to play. So that'll be interesting yeah. going forward. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, that, that to me, you know, is, is the big thing, right? I know that when he was here and when he wasn't playing and he was behind um, Mike Riley, you know, I was one of the things that he pointed out to us was, you know, he really missed playing. You know, he's so used to being on the field that it was hard for him, you know, not to play. And I think, you know, he's going to have to get used to that, right? He's going to have to get used to, you know, being that sounding board for Trevor Lawrence and for, you know, being that guy to, you know, help out on the sidelines, help prepare. And obviously he's going to get his share of reps in practice and in preseason, but you know, barring an injury to Trevor Lawrence, you know, I mean, he will, he will be the guy that's going to be one of the backups. Uh, whether he's the number two or number three, that's going to now be left up to him because this is the step one in the process. Right now, you're getting the opportunity. Now you need to go prove that, you know, you belong. And now you're going to need to do that through the reps that you're going to get through practice and, and, and preseason. Mm-hmm. Julio Caravetta, color commentator for the BC Lions, joining us. Hey, your owner, 
Amar Doman's done a great job building momentum there. Now, let's be honest, uh, the, it was must-see TV with Nathan Rourke, so he kind of fell into it a little bit there. Um, does Vernon Adams have the same spark? Can he get the same spark? Or, I, I always thought it, I always thought it was a two-horse race here, Julio. I thought it was, I thought it was Hamilton and Saskatchewan for Bo, but maybe B, Bo Levi Mitchell brings star quality to BC. Well, you mean that's, that's an, that's an excellent point. And I, I, here's the thing. And, and, you know, with Vernon, you got to remember a couple of things. And because Vernon's been around the league and he's, you know, he, he hasn't been maybe as consistent, but he was four and two as a starter here. And the other thing that now that, now that they're going to move forward, if Vernon is the guy that they're going to go with, now you have an opportunity to build your offense around him as opposed to trying to fit him into what Nathan was doing. So now maybe, you know, your offense changes a little bit to try to take advantage of some of the things that Nathan does well. Or, sorry, excuse me, that Vernon does well. So I, I think that that changes their mentality. Hey, listen, there's, there's, no, there's no questioning the fact that now they are going to, you know, they have to go get another guy, a guy that, that can play. And that's not going to be a young guy. That's going to be somebody that maybe has the, or has experience in the league. So however they decide to approach this, there's a lot of different options out there right now, potentially. Is it Cody Fajardo? Yeah, Cody's a, Cody's one I've said. Cody goes to BC, uh, a guy that would be happy uh, competing for the starting job, but not necessarily the pressure. And uh, Montreal could be a landing spot too with Jason Moss. Yeah, exactly. So you mean that though? There are some there are some viable options. So you know, and this is something that clearly that Neil McAvoy and Rick Campbell knew was a very good possibility that they were going to lose him. And so I know that there's been a lot of thought gone into what the plan moving forward is. So you have, you have a Vernon. Now the idea is that you need to go out and get another guy. And then I think the importance of finding the next guy. And that's everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, situation, right? We, we, there's a shortage of quarterbacks everywhere. It's not just, it's not just the CFL. There, there's a shortage of real good ones. So you need to find that young guy, hopefully, and develop him and hope he can be that next guy. Julio, thanks for your time, man. I always appreciate chatting football with you. We'll check in with you again. BC Lions, it's great. The BC Lions in Vancouver are the lead dog now, it feels like, because the Canucks are such a mess, isn't it? It feels feels great (laughs) to talk BC Lions foot, doesn't it? It feels like they're front and center. Yeah, no, and, and they got to take and they says that they got to take advantage of that, right? They got to take advantage of it. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty Six Twenty CKRM. Well, let's talk some NFL football here. Great wild card weekend. Every game was unique. Let's start with the Niners versus Seattle. Now, Geno Smith is a great story, but I don't think you can win with him when the chips are on the table. I'm not sure I'd re-sign him unless it's a team-friendly deal for the Seahawks. Brock Purdy? Wow. Had one of the best second halves in NFL playoff history for a rookie quarterback. What a great story Purdy is. He throws well on the run. That's a really, really good team. 
I picked the Niners at the start of the year to win over my Chargers. The Niners winning is one prediction I might get right. My Chargers won't play in the Super Bowl. They're up 27-0 on the Jags. And my phone's blowing up. Wow, ballsy. You must be pumped. This is great. Going to be a great game next week against the Chiefs. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. I've watched Chargers football since 1981. And it's for that reason I'm not mad. I could see it coming. When around their 30-ish with three minutes to play in the opening half and up 27-0, they run a jet sweep with a practice roster receiver, Michael Bandy, fumble, half the punt, and the Jags go down and score a touchdown late in the first half. If they run it, get a first down, which they were moving the ball on the Jags, it's 27 nothing at the end of the first half at the very least, and the game is probably over. I fire the entire offensive staff. And Brandon Staley, the head coach, even though his players support him, he should be gone too. First of all, for that collapse, because he's the face, and for playing receiver Mike Williams in a meaningless game. If Williams played in that game, they could have put it away early. And let's be honest here. If Sean Payton, Andy Reid, or Bill Belichick is coaching that Chargers team, they win that game and are playing this week. No doubt about it. I'd bet my house on it. And the GM Tom Telesco needs to go. No depth on the O-line, which has been a problem forever. And you've got DeAndre Carter on his ninth team and Michael Bandy as your number three and four receivers in a playoff game. That's it. Clean house. Bring in Sean Payton. Even if it costs you $20 million a year, a buyout for Staley's contract, and a couple of first-round picks. But the Spanos family is too cheap and clueless they won't. As for the Jags, Nathan Rourke's new team, Doug Peterson has done a great job with that club. People went to games in Jacksonville last year wearing clown masks, and now they're to the second round of the playoffs. One last thing, folks. It's called Chargering, and it's real. Giants and the Vikings. No two teams in the NFL let their fan bases down more than the Chargers and the Vikings. In this league, there's a common theme. You saw it with the first two games I referenced. Coaching and quarterbacking. They matter. Period. The Giants got the coach of the year in Brian Dable, who, by the way, the Chargers could have had with Herbert. And they got an okay quarterback in Daniel Jones who can win you a playoff game or two with the right coaching and game plan. The Vikings look like they've got a good head coach as well. But Kirk Cousins is who he is. An average quarterback with limited confidence. He throws underneath to a tight end in man coverage on fourth and eight. What? That's useless. He plays scared. Puckered up in big spots. How about Buffalo and Miami? Dolphins coach Mike McDaniels did a great job. That team with a third-string quarterback play their balls off. If Tua plays, they probably win. The Bills are very talented, but very sloppy. They don't play tight, buttoned-up football on offense. They're like Mike Tyson. They swing for the fences. The knockout punch. Josh Allen, electrifying at quarterback. Makes big plays, but he also makes a lot of careless ones, too. And this team can't consistently run the football ball unless Allen is doing it. And if you can't do that and play sloppy on offense, you're not going to the Super Bowl. Dolphins will have an interesting offseason. Do they stay with Tua or do they move on for a guy like Derek Carr? Snicker if you will, but 
Carr's still a top 10 quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacking, Tyler Huntley did a great job last night for the Ravens. He played his butt off. Now, I didn't like the goal line plunge by Huntley that turned into a 98-yard huff-and-puff run by Cincy's own Sam Hubbard, the big D lineman. The Bengals beat a tough divisional opponent for the third straight time, this time in the playoffs, but they did lose another offensive lineman. So that's three starters on the O-line hurt, and we'll have to watch their health issue going forward into this week. If you force me to bet right now, because of their injuries on the O-line, I take Buffalo in a close one. It's going to be a rematch of that Monday nighter that was cancelled. I smell DeMar Hamlin being around the field, maybe leading his team out of the tunnel for that game. That'd be the way to go if I was Buffalo to give them a little pep in their step. Tonight's game, Monday Night Football, the last of the wild card games. We've seen a variation of this movie before. Brady, the beloved hero or loathed villain, depending on your taste, prevailing once again. Again and again and again. Terrific Tom is showing us that in this time of year, he's at his best and that the moment is never too big. The underdog designation does make sense. Brady's Buccaneers limp into the playoffs with an 8-9 record. Lucky to win their division in the NFC South, a division where not a single team managed a 500 record. That's Bush League! What a Bush League! If that happens in the CFL... Brady boasts an astonishing 35 playoff victories, more than twice as many as the second highest total of 16 held by Joe Montana. The rest of this year's NFC field opened the playoffs with a combined 2-6 record of starters, including Dak Prescott, his opponent tonight, who is 1-3. Now the Cowboys do have big playability on offense and players capable of game-changing heroics on defense, and probably the Cowboys should win. But Dallas has done nothing but choke in the playoffs since Aikman, Smith, and Irvin. It's kind of ironic Troy's there tonight calling the game. Brady is 7-0 versus the Cowboys. Dak, I already told you, is 1-3 in the playoffs. He's good enough to keep both teams in the game. Kind of like a Vernon Adams Jr. and McLeod Bethel Thompson type. I got the Bucks 23-20. to You, uh... <laughs> I say that, but I told you, like, I... I, in the end, I picked Dallas to win. I don't know why. When I was betting, I went, well, I'll pick Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I one guess of those I kinda, things. You I guess, felt it in your plums. I appreciate Brady's greatness. We should all appreciate it because we are witnessing something that has never been done before and probably will never be done again. But I, I'm done with him. I want him gone. He's been playing in the NFL longer than he's been alive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that didn't make no. That didn't make no sense. He's been playing in the NFL longer than he hasn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how do how do I describe that properly, Ballsy? He, He's been playing longer in the NFL than he hasn't been playing in the NFL. Yes, thank like, you. Over half of his life, he's been in the NFL. I'm hungry. Hungry. I'm hungry. Me too. I'm hungry too. By the way, Nathan Rourke did get back to us. He's sorry he was tied up. I imagine that. We will have an interview with him tomorrow, and we'll do it just after 5 o'clock. Nathan Rourke is locked in. We'll also be joined by Arash Madani. We're going to talk to a wrestler in our Indigenous Sports Spotlight, um, and he was uh, involved in AEW a little bit here recently. So there you go. We'll talk to him about that. And uh, we're hoping to catch up with Tyrone Poole. We struck out with him as well. And we'll talk some SJHL hockey too. Lots going on on the show tomorrow. Jim Harbaugh has said that he is going to stay in Michigan. Big surprise. Yeah, he told the Denver Broncos to beat it. And uh, he's staying in Ann Arbor. Apparently the Chargers, Brandon Staley, 
and Tom Telesco meeting with the ownership group, Dean Spanos, his son John, and uh, they're discussing stuff right now. So you can expect the very least some coaching changes coming in Los Angeles. Oh, man. They should just blow everybody out and tell Peyton, Sean Payton, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, well. They can't waste. He's on his rookie deal, Herbert. He's going into his last year of a rookie deal. Then after that, they're going to have to pay him the most money that any quarterback has ever made, including Patrick Mahomes. He will be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history, even for a brief minute. Wow. He will. He'll probably make about 70 million a year, 60, 70 million a year. I'm not saying he's worth it. Oh, I don't know that any sports athletes like, were. Don't that. get me wrong, he's good, man. But like, not that on. good. Not, not not that good, man. Lastly, so you got so you do have the Dallas Cowboys winning tonight. No, no, I got the Bucks. You think the Bucks? Are I think the, I don't, I'm not betting on no Cowboys. Interesting. Yeah. Which what 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 was the stat? The Cowboys they they suck on grass. They're like right? one and four they on, suck grass, on grass. And uh, Brady seven and zero oh against the Cowboys. And also Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys head coach. <laughs> you know, that's another thing. Yeah. There you go. Okay, that'll do it for our show. It was brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. You can listen to it in podcast form uh, when Zinger puts it up. Zinger at night next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.